Nice beaver. Thank you. I just had it stuffed. I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Fuck you! Fuck you! And fuck you! Well, would you like to know where you'd be without us, the old U.S. of A, to protect you? I'll tell you. The smallest fucking province in the Russian Empire. That's what. So don't call me stupid, lady. Just thank me. I'm an excellent driver. Is this moron number one? Put moron number two on the phone. You're doing the litmus configuration? Litmus configuration. Yes. I'm alive! Hi, I'm Chucky, and I'm your friend to the end. <laughs> I lived through the Black Plague and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now what do you think? I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Welcome, everyone, to a special bonus edition of Voices and Visions, as well as the Director's Club podcast for the yearly tradition of reminiscing and reevaluating a particular year in film. It's a fun endeavor. We started three years ago in 1985, and we plan to continue all the way up until 1999. We go back 30 years, as always. Which brings us to 1988, and of course I could not embark on this journey alone. With me are returning champions, both members of the Chicago Film Critics Association, regular contributors to WGN Radio, the captivating Colin Suter. Thank you. And host of Movie Madness, of course, the ebullient Eric Childress. Did you look that word up looking for an E adjective for me? Uh, No comment. Okay. So guys, 1988. The year that Hustler Magazine challenged Jerry Falwell in court, Microsoft released Windows 2.1, which might even be better than Windows 10, Uh, George H.W. Bush was elected, the top song was Roll With It by Steve Winwood, and we can still laugh at the wacky sitcom antics of Bill Cosby. What was 1988 like for you, individuals? Uh, For me, it was, uh, I mean, just in terms of well, I was a high school student, so I, you know, first half of the year freshman, second half of the year sophomore. Um, as a movie watcher, it was I kind of always think of 1988 as like the the last year of these formative years for me ah. as a movie watcher and becoming more of a serious movie watcher and you know kind of turning away all the mains not all the but a lot of the mainstream sequels and stuff that are marketed towards people in my age group and saying no I'm actually more interested in the art house and weird stuff and unless I hear like you know that that uh you know a movie is pretty amazing sure, uh, sure. then I'll go see it so uh but I you know I I like 1988 as a movie year it's it's got it's it's such a mixed bag of like Great comedies and really depressing dramas and uh, yeah, no, everything it's in between. A mixed bag is a great yeah. term for 1988. It wasn't a year I was like stoked to cover again, but mm-hmm. you know, as I went back, I was like, "There's, there's a lot of good stuff." Yeah, you know, I'm not dismissing it. I think I'm even more excited about ne- the next year that follows. Okay, but um, you know, no, we got a lot to cover in 1988. Eric, oh, yeah. how about you? Where were you at in 1988? Well, I was in mostly seventh grade that I remember, and so I'm not really anywhere. Because, I mean, I don't know if you're anywhere when you're in seventh grade. <laughs> not really. You're not, I mean, you're not a year away from graduating. You're not in that moment. Sure. Uh, you're not in high school. So you're sort of in between 
you know, middle middle school or whatever it's it's called at that time. And my my memories of this year, I mean, it just it was. I remember a lot of video store visits this mm. this particular year. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. Elk Grove Cinema had been op- or reopened for uh, about a year at this point. It had reopened in '87, so got to go to the local theater. I mean, Woodfield Mall and Woodfield One and Two were still primary things, but now we had something a little more local, mm-hmm. and it was a dollar show. So we yeah. got to catch up on uh, a lot of things that we normally wouldn't go to spend, you know, five fifty or six dollars or whatever it cost uh, at the time. So I just remember the video store was uh, a lot of a lot of visits to the video store. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's true for me. Like, um, I I kind of vividly remember as this being the first year where I went to a video store and multiple copies of a movie were were available mm. to me and. It was it was the type of video store that you know had all the movie boxes and behind it would be you know the, the little plastic case of you know the VHS and whether or not it was in or not you had to you know hope for the best and my my dad and I in particular I mean it, I mean Die Hard came out what in July because I remember July us July or August yeah I, I swear I have a vivid memory of us going to the video store in 1988 like late maybe around even Christmas time but mm-hmm. I don't think. Die Hard would have come out that quick, right? July fifteenth, yeah, came out. Yeah, no, I mean because the turnarounds aren't what they are today, very right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's about a six, five, six month turnaround is usually hmm. the the norm unless they wanted to really get something out for the holidays or something like that. And yeah, you get a quick turnaround, maybe like a rare case like that, but normally about a six month turnaround and then a year before it showed up on cable. That was usually sure. the, the regular so, schedule. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was like around Christmas that. Die Hard came out on video. I had to look that up and see for sure, but I just yeah, video stores were definitely where I went. I I don't think I I hadn't have as many like trips to the theater as much. I mean, this is I turned ten, <laughs> um, and you know it was it was not like the most. I, I didn't. It wasn't an eventful year. There wasn't a whole lot going on with me other than you know I'm uh, <laughs> I'm just being me and kind of like. I'm excited to watch movies. I'm excited to rent movies. I'm excited to see them, but uh, I don't. I don't have like vivid memories the way I have with other years of going to the theater to see something. That might change as we go through the list here. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a big, big title later on uh, by a particular director that we all love, Zemeckis. <laughs> that, of course, I went on opening night. You know, yeah. it was from the director of Back to the Future, and at the time, that was probably my favorite movie. So. It made sense. It's a fine to be choice, excited. if I do say mm-hmm. so, my damn self. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> um, but yeah, we got a lot to cover. We certainly, you know, and, and for people who might be like us, who are like release date geeks or whatever, and you know, we're going off the list on uh, on boxofficemojo.com. Uh, so we're going by movies that were released in 1988 in the states. So if you're wondering why haven't you covered cover this movie in 1980, I thought this was a 1988 movie. Well, we have box office numbers that tell us, you know, uh, that these movies came out. Uh, you know, because there's there's gray areas with certain titles. There certainly is. Yeah. Um, Beginning and, and end of the year for the most part. Right. Yeah. Right. Part. So uh, so that's why we're going off of this because it's pretty pretty legitimate. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you want to follow along, go to Box Office Mojo, and uh, let's begin, guys. There's a lot of titles to get to. Last time it took us four and a half hours. <laughs> okay. So we now we're going to go that. for five. Yep. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Every year we'll go up maybe a half an hour longer. Right. Um, so the first title on the list. Well, let's say we're going month by month. We're to yes. go January. 
We're starting um, with January. We're just it doesn't have an official release date. Right, well, there's a few so on here that yeah, don't have it. official release dates because yeah. the data just isn't available for some Chris, reason. Are you alright? You're drunk! You almost killed my boy! You stupid, reckless! I'm so sorry. I should have known. I should have been the one to keep him from jumping. I was his best friend. I should have been aware. I should have known. So Permanent Record was... uh, a really interesting film for me to see. Post Pump Up the Volume, though, this was... I, I want to say I saw this, you know, on video maybe 92, 93, around there, but it, it really affected me in similar ways that Pump Up the Volume did just because it's about teen suicide, and it took it very seriously. And it has one of my favorite Keanu Reeves performances. I mean, I think that he handles the drama really well. He starts out as, like, kind of, you know... Uh, bumbling Bill, or the guy, or you know, the guy he played in Parenthood, just you know, kind of a, just a regular guy who's into music and stuff. But there's certain points in this movie where he just explodes with emotion, and to me, it doesn't it doesn't feel forced or sentimental. It's a it's a really 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 special movie for me. Yeah, um, I I watched it a couple nights ago based on your recommendation. I'd seen it in the theater. I haven't seen it since, and I think I liked it in the theater. But uh, I, I got to disagree with you on the Keanu Reeves thing, though. That's not good. No, I <laughs> I really don't. And I'm not one of these people who you know piles on Keanu Reeves for everything. You know, just oh, it automatically sucks because Keanu is in it. No, I, I'm not one of those guys. Yeah, uh, he Keanu can do st- you know John Wick, Matrix, all that stuff. That's all good. My own private um, Idaho. Uh, the, good. The, yeah. the later Keanu is much better than the early Keanu. Right, but I mean, I'll even go. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Keanu and in River's Edge is good. Um, sure. But this one, it's like, I mean, this is still, he's still early in his career, so he doesn't have a persona yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> now, but now going back to watching this movie, it, it hasn't, this movie has not aged well because of, it is Bill and Ted Keanu. It is the Parenthood Keanu. And we need a better actor at the center of this thing because this is a good film. Yeah. I mean, this is a well-written, it's, well-written. it's well-written, it's beautifully directed. Uh, it's got otherwise good cast. I feel bad for Michelle Myrink, who's in it, because yeah. she's already played like three or four college students before this, <laughs> yeah. and now she's being relegated back to high school, mm-hmm. and she looks miserable. She looks like, what the hell and am I doing? looks much older than her college. Obviously, she looks yeah, much older because yeah. she's older. But, right, yeah. <laughs> but it really shows here. And mm-hmm. uh, so, like, the Keanu performance was a real sore spot for me uh, with this movie when I watched it a couple nights ago. It, it so, uh, But other than that, I mean, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but... Okay. Yeah, Colin, <laughs> sorry Colin, to deflate your to yeah. deflate your enthusiasm, but yeah, yeah, Colin reached right into my brain uh, <laughs> on this one because I, I watched the movie again, and the, the first half hour of this movie, when you're it's focused on the boy who's going to commit suicide, yeah. no, the first half hour of this movie is really good. Yes, like really good. Like, I mean, because this movie is it's a it's a suicide film that has no answers. It's shrouded yeah. in mystery, and that's a mm-hmm. great way to approach. You know, it has Indeed. there is a suicide note, but it doesn't explain you know what what happened. Right, right. And after he takes you know a step off that cliff, it becomes a Keanu Reeves performance. Mm-hmm. And Colin's absolutely right. Is that there are moments that even when he is forced to like he has a, there is a big breakdown scene 
uh, with a, a, a car scene that doesn't come off very well to begin with. And then his, yeah, it, it's silly. Uh, it's just like <laughs> the boy, just you know, he's in the basement, then he's in the road. I mean, it's just it's like really, kid, like yeah. just stay indoors. Uh, and and there's a, you know, it's a lot of hey, you know, he, that that body language that Keanu was doing at that time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, he's it's relying just, on those ticks. I understand, right? And yeah. then to top it off, and then it like comes down to like a performance of Pirates of Penzance, and it's just like the. Well, that, yeah, like, that which, part is is the weak spot for me. It's too. Re- it's yeah. really weak, and but, it just it but then it, it saps Rubin's up singing. I, I, I like that. That's yeah, really no, that's, that's fine. Well that's, that's fine. Uh, not the first Jennifer Rubin film we'll be talking about. No, uh, but you know, it's it's a good film despite Keanu. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know? At least you yeah. like it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like worried. Like, well, because yeah. the, I mean, I, the I setup of this movie is so strong. The yeah. setup of this yeah. movie is so strong, and it made me wish that there were more. There are actually flashbacks to this kid's life because, oh, yeah, yeah. or no, just make the entire movie great. about him and then have him take a nosedive off the cliff. Right. So, yeah, I still think it's great. Okay. <laughs> okay. But it's no pump up the volume. Which, if you guys no. wind up disliking very much, that'll be sad. No, no, better no, movie, no, much no, better no, movie. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, for some reason, Platoon Leader is being uh, <laughs> stream is streaming on Hulu, and I watched it. Oh, and wow. I'll just I'll just read you my notes because I I wrote down things as I was watching it. Uh, this is, by the way, this is Canon's answer to Platoon. This is what happens when a, a, a B-grade or Z-grade film studio tries to be uh, prestigious by making a Vietnam film, which is, you know, the... Is this Michael Dudikoff? This is, is Michael Dudikoff yeah. and Platoon Leader. So these oh, are my boy. notes. Uh, pretty sure they filmed this in Iowa. Uh, you can tell they didn't have money for all your usual 60s Vietnam songs, so a lot of the rock songs you hear in the background sound like public domain rock songs from that era. Uh, I don't think that's a real black man in that scene. Uh, <laughs> the composer really likes the opening bars of Beat It. That's a whole score. Uh, we're an hour in and no Wilhelm scream. F this movie. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is a movie about Michael Dudikoff being a platoon leader. Anybody watch For Keeps? Am I the only one to watch uh, for no. Keeps? No, no, I will I, never watch For Keeps again. <laughs> I think I seen it once when I was younger, and I just there's no. It's no not very course. good, uh, but I was happy. <laughs> I was very. I remember when they referenced it on Gilmore Girls once, and I was oh, it, yeah. that kind of like floored me that somebody referenced For Keeps in any capacity because it's so obscure and bad, and it is pretty. Mm-hmm. I would it's, say it's awful. It's not the worst baby movie of that era, but uh, it's pretty no. bad. Uh, I mean, John G. Avildsen directed Randall it. Randall so. two words. Right. Oh, I know. Yeah. Oh, no, he's terrible. Batten. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, written by Tim Kazarinsky, directed by John Avildsen. It's, it's not... Jim, oh. Tim Kazarinsky. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, but it's it's not very good. And, ju- and just for the... And, and by the way, not the worst Molly Ringwald movie of this year, either. We'll get to that later. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just for the Permanent Record. Permanent Record came out in April... And Platoon Leader came out in October. Okay. So we're right. jumping around a little bit. We're going to clear up some of these. We're yeah. filling, if Box Office Mojo, if anyone's listening, we're helping you fill in the blanks here. This is, <laughs> yes. This okay. Is okay. i got to say, revisiting some of Dan Aykroyd's comedies from this year, I kind of went, I don't think I like Dan Aykroyd that much. Mm-hmm. Movie that proves you're not the only schizoid maniac on your block. The buses have been categorized as to particular condition and ailment. Premature ejaculators, non-ejaculators, and retrograde ejaculators on board, please. Infomaniacs. Don't let me out of your sight. A movie that will help you find yourself. I'm not sick. I just need space. I finally found a place I fit in as well as I do the nut house. Beverly Hills. 
So if it's been years, months, days, minutes, or seconds since you've really laughed, we urge you to seek professional help. Dan Aykroyd. But I don't want to escape with you. I hate you. Walter Matthau. I can accept that. Charles Grodin. You had sex with one of your face. Donna Dixon. The Couch Trip. Well, let's That's go to the I'm Couch Trip. We're okay. talking about the Couch Trip. It's terrible. Trip. Yeah. I, I, I don't okay. like it. Um, and, and it's got an amazing director, Michael Ritchie, who's given us some of the best good cast too. comedies and satires really of all cast. time. Oh, yeah, great cast. It's just abysmal, though. I mean, it's it's kind of reprehensible and just like how it represents mental illness. And similar to like Crazy People with Dudley Moore later on. And the Dream on. Team. And the Dream Team. Oh, yeah. But I, mm, some things about that are kind of funny. Michael Keaton. Yeah, of course. But, I mean, again, like I just don't. I don't know. Like, I mean, Dan Aykroyd did great on SNL, but a lot of his, especially where he's the lead, I just, uh-uh. I just don't like him as a, as a screen presence. And here it's just, I don't know. Just just doesn't work from the start. Just doesn't at all. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to revisit this movie. Uh, I remember, it's free I remember and voodoo if you I remember thinking it. some of it was funny at the time because I was a big fan of Dan Aykroyd, yeah. and, and to this day I'm still a big fan. Uh, big just, nothing I, but trouble fan, of course. Of course, of course. <laughs> uh, no, I... Yeah, I know. You're, you're smarter than that. Mm-hmm. Did you want to talk about The Boost? Yeah, I have okay. to talk about The Boost. Okay, uh, please cause, do. Because 1988 was a big movie, and there's so many movies that had to deal with drug addiction or alcohol oh, abuse yeah, or something course. this year. And this one, I, I revisited because Roger Ebert is a big fan of this movie. I thought he gave it four stars, but apparently he only gave it three and a half. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's too much. Uh, because the booze, <laughs> this is James Woods and Sean Young, uh, infamously two of the most difficult people yeah. ever to work with. Uh, James Wood's a little bit... He's, he's good with directors, but sometimes, I mean, we know what he is today, but even back then, uh, we knew Sean Young was a was very difficult to work with. And now you have these two presences in one movie together. Hmm. And by the end of the movie, you, you, you feel that, like, Harold Becker is just not yelling cut. He's just letting James Woods punch Sean Young into oblivion by the end of this movie. Uh, but watching this movie, especially after seeing a couple of the other uh, movies about abuse this year. This one really is the reefer madness of drug movies at that time, uh, because it it you know it, it starts off as a movie about the the, the yuppie you know it's the post Wall Street yuppie culture, the hedonistic lifestyle and whatnot. It's not it's forty minutes in the movie before he even takes his first line of cocaine. Okay, so it's really like the back half, and this movie is ninety minutes long, and it just and moves like this so quickly that it becomes comical. <laughs> that at one point he's he's talking about like I just you know my, you know what my commission is on this deal is twenty six thousand dollars, and the next scene I just bought a plane. I'm like what? Wait, what? Really? <laughs> really? Like what happened between? I know twenty six thousand dollars is a lot more money back then than it was, but like I don't think you could buy a plane after that. It was, it was a prop no. job. It's just a little prop job. Yeah. Uh, you know, this movie's kind of anti everything. Yeah. It's like so. It's like it's kind of a parody of that Wall Street American psycho like culture at the mm-hmm. time, and then it becomes almost a parody of the you know the people get you know getting high and, and getting addicted to cocaine because he gets addicted really fast. There's a scene where Sean Young falls down the stairs that I couldn't help laugh at because it just it's so comical. Uh, it, it just it, it never. It never felt real. It felt like, and it, and it has one of those '80s jazzy scores 
Like it almost at times it almost sounds like the score to Roxanne. Mm. Okay, and and I and <laughs> at one point Steve Martin gets a shout out in a scene with John Capellos in the movie. Huh. So there's that too, and it's just like every time someone does something cocainey, the jazz score like you know, and it's just like it just it never comes off as true to me. And James Woods, I know crazy as he is now, still one as dynamic an actor as I've ever. I mean, he's always watchable, and even in something like this where he's completely going over the top. He's still very good in the movie. Sean yeah. Young, m- maybe not as much, but he's still very good, and I just wish that the movie had more of a sense of its own self. That's a shame. Because, I mean, there's plenty of other great examples that we'll get to. They're much better. Yeah. 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 Much better type movies. of film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so one of my all-time favorite movies uh, came out this this month, and not a lot of people know about it. Rent-A-Cop. Uh, Right, exactly. What the heck, people? Get on that. Uh, no, Five Corners is this movie uh, that was written by John Patrick Shanley. You're so determined to kill yourself one way or the other. I'm going to die tonight, Mark. Who am I? You're my little Heinz. Taking him out. And it came out on the heels of the success of Moonstruck, which uh, was, you know, pretty much what, you know, one of the flavors of the of the day at that time. Um, and I think it came out right after Moonstruck. Well, I mean, I don't worry about dates later, but um, it came out when you know it was he was up for an Academy Award for Best Screenplay and eventually won. Um, and this, I remember renting this movie just based on that because I liked Moonstruck so much and sure. I liked his writing so much and, uh, and and the poster looked really weird to me and I just looked interesting and it was the first time I remember seeing a movie that was you know more common now where you have like three or four different storylines going on at once and then they all converge at the end somehow um, It's uh, it, it was the first time I ever saw or first time I remember seeing uh, John Turturro uh, and, and discover. I felt like I discovered John Turturro because he before this he was a little bit parts here and there, but I never really, you know, yeah. remember seeing him. But um, but this he just he he gave such a commanding performance. He's basically the villain in this film, and like a great screen villain. Uh, Jodie Foster. This she was in this movie uh, before her comeback, which would happen later in 1988. Um, and uh, Tim Robbins was still kind of on the fringes of you know not not okay, many he was people. Howard the Duck. Well, but yeah, but I mean, not many people knew who he was. So, yeah. um, and uh, it's just like this beautiful, kind of quirky, uh, really funny, kind of sad, you know, just everything just kind of put in a blender. Uh, and I hadn't really seen a movie like this before, and it really just left a a, a big impression on me and. It's unfortunate. It's one of these movies that has been in this kind of copyright limbo where, um, you know, I think Canon or Warner Brothers Canon, which was what it was at the time, put it out on VHS. And then and then it just been kind of relegated to being uh, this public domain film that would come out on, you know, these obscure labels. Uh, Criterion did put it out on a Laserdisc. But they haven't touched it since. Um, and Lionsgate now has the DVD rights for it, and they put it out on DVD. Still looks like crap. 
Uh, nobody's really done right by this movie except Criterion. So if the, I'm, this is my, I'm pleading with Criterion. I know you're never going to hear this, but please put this movie back in your collection, even if it's just a movie-only edition. It's like it, this movie needs to look good, and it and it just looks like crap right now. Unless you have a laser disc player and the laser disc. Um, this is you know one of my favorite movies of this year, and I wish more people could yeah, discover it. I, I've seen it once, and it was not the best quality. Yeah, <laughs> and that really disappointed me. But the acting is really strong, and I'm I'm with you on on Shanley as a writer. I think he's great. So, but it's been a while since I've seen it. And I've been waiting and waiting for a proper, yeah. a proper Blu-ray to come out. Yeah, so. yeah. I was never as high on it as as Colin was, but I I'm, that's all I'm really going to say about it. Uh, but it, it came out a month after Moonstruck. Uh, uh, Moonstruck was like still number three at the box office when this movie got its tiny, very tiny release. So yeah, I'm a big fan so, of the Serpent and the Rainbow, and I just wonder if if I'm just going to be this guy for all of these episodes. It's just I have to defend all the horror movies. Because <laughs> like, I was supposed to defend. No, because this is a good one. Okay, this is a good yeah, one. Yeah, but, yeah. I, know. Well, I know, but it's like Dream Warriors, The Gate, and all. It's like I was listening back to our. Yeah, those other are episodes. not good ones. No, they are. Um, but Serpent and Rainbow is definitely one of Wes Craven's very best movies. In the shadows of the imagination lies the ultimate nightmare. Don't let them bury me. I'm not dead. It's just creepy. It's just there's this eeriness to it all. And, uh, you know, I just... I saw this on the big screen recently because Music Box does the Music Box of Horrors every year. And, you know, seeing that scene where he's buried alive on the big screen was just... I mean, I have i was grabbing my seat like I'd seen... I was watching it for the first time. Uh, and it's just... its I mean, maybe it does get a little goofy in the last act because I know the writer of the original source material um, who was, uh, you know, also a doctor who went into Haiti, I think, mm-hmm. and... You know, he wrote this kind that of Thomas memoir. Plain in the movie. Yeah, playing yeah, that character. Yeah, and he 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 really was not a fan of like maybe him trying to Freddy Krueger it up later in the film by you know turning one of the uh, you know one of the guys in this movie into the to the quote unquote villain of the piece. But I, I mean, for the most part, it's just it's just really really creepy. And if you have claustrophobia, um, you know, the buried alive scene in here is just one of the very best of all time. Yeah. Yeah, a lot. I mean, it has a lot of shock scares in it, but like unique shock scares and yeah, you know, some few yeah. dream sequences. You know, I mean, uh, it has a lot of the the tropes that I tend to push back against uh, in horror movies. But th- this one, uh, it's 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 quite it's quite well done and, and it holds up. And uh, Haiti, you know, shithole country. So, <laughs> I wonder if uh, someone watched that before making that comment. But anyway. Right. Yeah, so we're in February now. Yes, um, we are. And, uh, Happy Valentine's Day. Right. And, well, this is a kind of a romantic movie. She's having a baby. Yeah. Which is uh, mm-hmm. John Hughes' uh, sort of more of one of his two <laughs> grown-up films, films centered around grown-ups. He, he tried that once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I thought, very successful at it. I wish he did more like this. Uh, I think it's his most cinematic movie like he got a real cinematographer to shoot this thing I forgot who it was but I know somebody was like oh yeah that's a real cinematographer that's a good choice and uh, there's some beautiful looking sequences in this movie Um, and it's also one of my favorite soundtracks I listened to this soundtrack a lot in high school Um, 
but and it's also incredibly inventive. I mean, there were a lot of baby comedies at the time that were still, you know, 1987 going into 88, we're still in that baby mode. Um, and uh, this was, you know, about the fears of having to grow up and be a father and, and, and just face the prospect of becoming a responsible adult uh, and you know, dealing with marriage and everything. Uh, Kevin Bacon, I think, was is really terrific in it. Um, Elizabeth, uh, not McGovern, Elizabeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is Elizabeth, McGovern. Mm-hmm. I get her and Elizabeth, the other Elizabeth Shoe? from Big. No, Big. What, Perkins. Perkins. I get those two mixed up all the time. Um, wow, this is a good hmm. soundtrack. Yeah, Elizabeth Elizabeth McGovern is. Uh, oh, no. Here, I got the. I brought my cassette. Oh, cool. <laughs> Put it on. There you go. Nice. Um, yeah. No, this is my probably this is my favorite John Hughes movie, and it's one that not a lot of people really embraced or went to see. It's got a really clever closing credit sequence where a, so, a lot so of funny. Uh, a lot of actors jumped in and just had baby name suggestions. I know Bill Murray and how about Michael Little Keaton, Suck? About, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray and, uh, and and Dan Aykroyd and Michael Keaton and John Candy and the cast of Cheers. I mean, it's such a great yeah. sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a lot of really inventive, funny stuff in this movie, and really moving. I the the sequence with the Kate Bush song at the end oh, when he's in yeah. the hospital is so good, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it just like brings me to tears every time. So this is like a really strong John Hughes movie before he, I don't know, home alone it. Yeah, he home alone it, and that was the last. This was the last really worthy thing I think that he put out there. So. It's easily the most unique film in his entire. I mean, because yeah. Plane, Trains, and Automobiles is my favorite John Hughes movie, which came out the year before. Yeah, probably. Uh, Share the same cinematographer, by the way, Don Peterman. Okay. Uh, was his name? Who shot uh, Cocoon, Star Trek Four, Point Break, okay. wow. Men in Black? Uh, so I mean, he's, he's got. I mean, he passed away in two thousand eleven, but he's got. A I guess. I guess. I, I guess. I thought it was somebody else who was a little more of a name that for it for geeks like us. Yeah, because when I watch yeah. it, it's like this is shot really well. This is like mm-hmm. really like. He's really paying attention to his framing and his yeah. lighting and everything in this. And but he's, okay, I he's mean, it's the most it's, underrated John Hughes. I mean, it's kind of stuck right there in the middle of like the teen stuff, and then yeah. moving that transition. Even because even like some kind of wonderful is a little more grown up for a teenage type yeah. movie. Uh, but then once he got to 1990, it was Home Alone, and then that was that's what yeah, he that's, did. that's all. Yeah, and that's what he did. Pretty much. But no, it's it's. I think it's a terrific movie. Yeah, no, I like it too, and I. Uh, you know, I rewatched it and was charmed all over again. And I, I like I like this era of Kevin of Kevin Bacon. I think he's really charismatic and yeah. and charming and never like smug. Um, you know, even in something like The Big Picture, I like his arc in that. But I mean, here here here, here he's he's great. And, and Alec Baldwin. And yeah, of oh, course, yeah. yeah, of course, Alec Baldwin's um, in this as well. Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting timeline. Too. I'd like to go back and see exactly when she was actually filmed this because in Plane, Trains, and Automobiles. The wife is actually watching. She's having a baby, right? And they That's and right. the the first time I heard of this movie was on the VHS of Ferris Bueller. They had a trailer at the beginning mm. uh, before Ferris Bueller, so okay. that, we're talking like early '87 there. Uh, so this thing sat around for a while. Um, I, I think it because it's because it, you, I think there's a lot of stuff in that trailer that has never made it into the film. That's he's true. got he's got so many ideas for this movie, and I think it was he had, he took a lot of time to shape it mm. while working on three other films. Um, and so it so it's kind of an, an an odd duck for him, but it's uh but it's my favorite. So am I am I the only one here who thinks the unbearable lightness of being is unbearable? No. Okay. I, 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 mean, I don't. I don't. The last I, time I watched it, in 1988. I, yeah. I, I just. <laughs> 
It's in very long. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, I mean, the pace of it is just... Well, and I don't challenging. know. If, I don't know what what how what, how you watched it. I watched it last summer, and um, it came on two discs, like two DVDs from Netflix. I was like, "Wow, Laserdisc era returns, man! We can't fit this movie on one disc, even though it's under three hours." But yeah. still, you just uh, flip the disc over, right, right? Right? Not this time. I was like, "Wow, we're really good. We're doing it old school for this one." Um, I don't know. I think Juliette Binoche is absolutely adorable, so I can watch her in anything. And Lena, that's true. Lena Olin is unbelievably sexy in yeah. it, so it's like that's true. And <laughs> but beyond would, that, Colin. <laughs> but today, you'd, if this movie came out, there would be so many arguments, uh, a lot of male gaze arguments made yeah. against mm. it because it is by a very horny filmmaker. So uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. We also Philip have the Kaufman. Right stuff. We know how horny. Right. No. no. <laughs> Philip Kaufman. Or an invasion of the body snatchers. And well, okay. After this, he did. Henry in June, so yeah, that's what I'm talking he got news. This was his horny period. Yeah, so um, so yeah, there was a big critic success. Uh, got a couple Oscar nominations, but yeah, it's not. I would okay. indulgent. Does yeah. it play as an interesting bookend now with Phantom Thread? I mean, could could someone make that? That seems like a think oh. piece in waiting I, now. I would because do that more with Age of Innocence, but um, okay, okay, I, I would think because if you look, I mean, because this is well, this I mean, is Daniel when did Daniel Day Lewis really? Gets started. Like, well, I thought like, my yeah. beautiful Andrette was the first that was, film. That was that. eighty-six. Okay. I think eighty-six. Yeah. yeah. So an unstoppable killer is on the loose. A killer no one has ever seen in a place no one has ever been. Enter FBI Special Expert Warren Stanton. This man is mine. It's the very best. Get down! Against the very worst. I'm gonna pull the trigger. And only one will survive. Sidney Poitier, Tom Berenger. Let her go or die. Shoot to kill. Uh, shoot shoot to, kill. to kill. Which I have not seen and could not uh, uncover. I rewatched. Shoot okay. to Kill again. Uh, I remember I liked it more back then than I do mm. now. Because mm-hmm. uh, this movie is it's 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 a unique way to do an action movie because it's it starts off as, it's kind of like a mystery for the first part even though it's not too hard to figure out who the killer is uh you know it's like it sets up as a mysterious killer and Sidney Poitier is the F, uh, FBI agent who's tracking down this guy who's stolen some diamonds and he's killed a family because of it and then the killer needs to get like across the border so he joins a, a hiking expedition that's run by Kirstie Alley who is the girlfriend of Tom Berenger, who is a guide himself, and Sidney Poitier enlists Tom Berenger's help to go track them down. So it's it's kind of a unique, long-winded way to do a chase picture, mm-hmm. and it kind of loses itself once when it reveals the mystery. Like, you know halfway through who the killer eventually is, and again... It's Michael Rooker. It's it, it, No, it's Clancy Brown, actually. Oh, well, okay. It's not hard to figure out, because, I mean, he the director, it's Roger Spottiswood, yeah. I think, directed? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, there's a little too much focus on Clancy Brown as the guy trailing the pack with a given mysterious looks and whatnot, and it's like, okay, it's like either him or Richard Mazur. Is, it's like, it's going to be one of those two, and one's weak, one looks more strong, regardless. Spoiler alert. <laughs> anyway, uh, but the, the best parts of the movie are the scenes between Poitier and Berenger, where they're butting heads, and the big city guy in the wilderness and whatnot, and trying to survive. Those scenes have, they're, they're, they're fun, they're, they're kind of, they're funny, uh, they're, they're nicely done, and then cutting between, away from that to the guy that's got Kirstie Alley hostage, is not great. And then the movie 
for the climb third act of the movie just goes out of the woods. You think that it would come down to a, some sort of climactic confrontation in the wilderness, but no, it ends up on a, like a boat and stuff, and huh. it's like that stuff, like you know, it's like the Crocodile Dundee in reverse kind of thing. Like all now, Tom Berenger's in the big city, and you know, and City Porty, and I'm you're on my turf now, and I get to shoot some guns, and just it kind of loses its way. It's not a bad film, but I think that it's like half of a pretty good movie. You might pull that boy's arm off. He had a spare. <laughs> He's a man who's no talk. I bet I can make you change your mind. And all action. How do you like your ribs? The indefatigable Action Jackson. I started watching Action Jackson. I didn't finish that's it. Weird because that's, <laughs> that's what I was about to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, um, I probably finished it. It's fine. Uh, it's less than fine. I know that I people... This is one of those movies that I think is... People keep trying to make a thing now, like you know, yeah. like you know, Hocus Pocus is classic. No, it's not. Oh, <laughs> you know, and like yeah. Action Jackson, I think is one of these movies that even colleagues of ours have like. I love Action. Like, really, you love Action Jackson? <laughs> it's not a great movie. Yeah. It's a, it was an attempt to make Carl Weathers into an action hero post Predator, basically, and it seemed like a cool idea, but it's just not. It's just yeah. it's so generic. You know what else is not a classic, folks? Empire Records. It's not. No, it's not no, great. No, it's, it's not. But, like, when I mean, you're talking about, I know you're talking about Hocus Pocus and Empire Records. I think that's just a generational thing, and I'm sounding like old. Like man that's beard. their Maybe. breakfast. That's club their yeah. That's stuff. their yeah. thing. It's like I mean, that's, there's people older than us who probably look at Breakfast well, no Club. No wonder the yeah. new generation is doomed because they didn't have good <laughs> movies to be those movies. Yeah. Well, millennials. <laughs> you need movies like School Days. Right? I like School Days. Yeah. I like I it. It's too. it's a really interesting movie to go back and watch today because yeah. it's like it's a mishmash. it is, and it's Spike mm-hmm. Lee's first like movie with a budget where he's working for yeah. a studio, and mm-hmm. it's like you watch it go, how did it? How did his career survive this? Because it's such an it's such an odd mixture, and and you watch him, you know, he he makes really weird sort of awkward choices in the with the camera the, and the editing, yeah. um, and there's a certain amount of charm in that, I think. Uh, and because it's such a go for broke idea, it's like he's making a not just it's a sophomore effort, but it's a musical, and it's a musical about racism in the you know in the which is such a radical idea for a mid eighties film, and this is what you're gonna you know you're gonna hang your career on this uh, that this will work, and it did work. Like I mean, it 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 actually was a profitable film for yeah, Columbia for sure. Pictures. It only cost six million, and it made like fifteen million. Uh, so his career not only survived it, but it thrived in it. He was able to do do the right thing after this. How come you college motherfuckers think y'all run everything? Hey, is there a problem here? Big problems. I heard that. You come to our town year after year and take over. We was born here, gonna be here, and gonna die here, and can't find jobs because of you. Yeah. Right. Uh, can, can we go? Okay, can we just I mean, go? We may not have your education. But we ain't dirt, neither. And ain't nobody said all of that, all right? You Mission Park's always talking down to us. Look, brother, I'm real sorry that you feel that way, okay? I'm really sorry about that. Are you black? Take a look in the mirror, man. Look, man, you got a legitimate beef, all right? But it ain't with us, okay? Are you black? Hey, look, man, don't let me question the fact whether I'm black. In fact, I was going to ask your country, Bama ass, why you got them drip, drip chemicals in your head. Right, <laughs> goddammit. And then come out in public with a shower cap on your head. Like a fucking bitch. Who you calling a bitch, bitch? Well, if the shoe fit, 
Now I bet you niggas do think y'all white. College don't mean shit. Y'all niggas. Yeah, I feel like Chirac was him trying to do this yeah. kind of like, and I like that hodgepodge <laughs> approach, but yeah. not as successfully, in my opinion. I mean, School Days yeah. is a little more fun, and I, I don't know. I, I liked obviously the cast is yeah spectacular, and he yeah, there's a lot of great uh, Lawrence on, Fishburne, mm-hmm. uh, Esposito. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. He's great. Yeah, I mean, this is a really just a fascinating movie to go back and look at, even if it all doesn't work. It's right. like, wow, you, I mean, talk about just a, a risk, you know, that, yeah, that no, young I mean, in his career, and he's taken this kind of a risk already. Even the mess from Spike Lee is always interesting. Like, I mean, uh, I know bamboozled. Okay, uh, I know, that's bad. The, blood, the sweet blood of Jesus? Oh, well, okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'd I'd rather watch him like take a chance and and right. yeah, I'd rather see him risk failure than see another director just a lesser director just crank out something well, certainly boring yeah. and uninteresting. Has so, anyone seen his yeah. Netflix show yet? I've been curious no. to watch it. No, it's like an updating of She's Got to Have It. I think I've not oh, seen that. Yeah, no. I haven't seen it. Interesting. Um, anybody? <laughs> I've never seen Satisfaction. Neither and have I, I. And I tried really? to find it, uh, and I can't find I it. I love anywhere. Justin Bieber. You shouldn't look that hard. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's not. I mean, oh, it, I know it's, it's bad. Yeah. yeah, it's just. I mean, it's 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 only interesting if you are a big Justin Bateman fan because okay. when else did she get a starring role? Right, and, and right, think, right, right. You know, it's just like if you're a big Family Ties guy, yeah. it might be interesting. And Julia Roberts, obviously, an early role for her. Liam Neeson as the love interest is okay, uh, oh, the, wow. but it's just like like I, I could never even when I remember seeing the trailers for that movie and hearing them do the cover version of satisfaction i was just like no Mm-mm. yeah no it's just yeah. like it's not it's like it's it's not no yeah it's just not good <laughs> yeah. it's like no. britney spears doing that cover is awful yeah. too <sighs> it's painful uh oh. there's a, a foreign film called arawa les enfants by uh louis mal so much fun to say it is fun to say and it's noteworthy i mean i like this movie i i went back and watched it because i've never seen it before uh, yeah i need to see it because it's I, I it's like very louis good mal. it's very very good uh it, it's really sad but it's 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 a beautiful film interesting though it's the um it's what brought about the name reservoir dogs uh, Quentin Tarantino has said that the title came from when he's working at a video store and people would mispronounce this title, Orovales on Fonds, and somehow that he got Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. Dogs out of that, and that's okay. how he named that <laughs> okay. film. So, yeah, All right. yeah, a little bit of trivia there. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is also the first time uh, a movie took 20 some years to come out, um, but Manchurian Candidate finally got its release in 1988. It's the most rousing speech I've ever read. It's been worked on here and in Russia on and off for over eight years. I shall force someone to take the body away from him. Then Johnny will really hit those microphones and those cameras with blood all over him, fighting off anyone who tries to help him, defending America even if it means his own death, rallying a nation of television viewers into hysteria, to sweep us up into the White House with powers that will make martial law seem like anarchy. Even though it was made in, like, 1962, but because of the assassination of JFK, the movie sat on the shelf for an indefinite, well, for a long period of time. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a big, and, big deal. Yeah, and that, so uh, it finally got, MGM finally put it out in 1988. 
Uh, that's the first time I remember seeing that happen. Uh, with so the did movie. you see it on the big screen? I never did. No. Oh, okay. Um, it's great though. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Yeah. So. Scary, and then, uh, scary, scary movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Uh, and then Mr. Roman Polanski came mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. to direct. Um, surprise, surprise! A his another homage to Hitchcock. <laughs> Very blatantly so, um, one might say, with Harrison Ford kind of in the, you know, Jimmy Stewart role of the man who knew too much or, you know, searching for somebody's missing. And the results are mixed for the most part. Like, there are things about it I like. I, I do, I've always really liked Roman Polanski as a director, and some, but sometimes I not feel as a, like... Not as his personal life, no? <laughs> <laughs> But his scripts. Like, what else are you going to? <laughs> yeah, I, I know, I know, right? Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, the, it's I, I don't I don't I think this is kind of in the you know playing field of something like Ghost Rider, but overall, it's 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 okay, it's fine. I mean, it's passable escapist entertainment with Harrison Ford, you know. Um, but it's not like up to like fugitive level intrigue and suspense at all. Yeah, I when the, when the, I first saw this movie back then, obviously it's not the the typical Harrison Ford type movie. It, right. it feels like it is because his wife gets kidnapped in every movie, but <laughs> yeah. or dies or divorced or something. Something happens to his wife, and so I, I really didn't like it back then. But I revisited it again recently, and I, th- I think it's a pretty solid film. It's solid, I, I yeah, think yeah. it's a little it's a little too long. I think you know if you you chop it down to like ninety minutes, there's a little too many. I have to go to another guy to find out why they're not finding anything about my wife scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's a little too much Emmanuel Seigneur in the back half. I mean, like, we're 20 minutes away from the end of the movie, and they're going, they're, like, doing a seduction scene in the dance club and stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. But there are some, there's some great Harrison Ford line readings in the movie where he is literally frantic and just dropping, oh, yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> yelling at people for being stupid and not helping him. Right. There's some really, really funny, funny stuff. Uh, in the movie, uh, John Mahoney's also in the movie, yes. which you re- recently just lost. Um, so I liked it more. It's, I mean, it is. It's very seventies, very European, very you know. You mentioned Hitchcock, obviously, very all of that. And Instead if you're of frenzy, into that, we get frantic, right? Know? Yeah, if you're into if all that is your jam, uh, you can absolutely do a lot worse than frantic. Yeah. Uh, this was also the time when the world was introduced to Jean Claude Van Damme. It with with blood sport blood sport you are not japanese i can do it now for the first time the true story of america's super agent frank Dukes can be revealed uncle sam can't afford to let you get hurt i'm going frank is going to fight in the kumite and we're here to stop him an awesome human weapon there's me just looking at it who infiltrates the chinese underworld I did not come this far to stop now. To enter a forbidden competition. Couldn't you just get me in? Strict rules. No press. You're telling me you never break rules? Where every fighting style, every worthy opponent, every deadly technique. You get the song? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so this is, um, now there is such a thing as a Jean-Claude Van Damme film, and uh, we're going to get more of them just like this, and all I can think of when I watch this movie is, ow, 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 <laughs> don't do that, bodies, no, 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 but you're not supposed to stretch like that. 
Um, <laughs> oh, that in particular. Yeah. I'm thinking this, about all, because there are a lot of punches in well, this that, movie. I'm thinking too. about, okay, yeah. but that moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. Yeah. So, um, but uh, but it's 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 fun. I enjoy watching Bloodsport. It's a ridiculous movie. Yeah. It's, oh, I mean. I, I agree. To, to this odd. day, there are two Van Damme movies. There's Hard Target and there's Bloodsport. Hard Target rules. I know there's some people that would like to throw Universal Soldier in there and maybe you're something a, else. You're not a Time Cop fan? I'm not a Time Cop. That's okay. the other one. I'm okay. not a Time Cop fan. I think that, yeah. You should see that again. Yeah. Time travel. Yeah, exactly. I love time travel, but I don't like that movie. Okay. Uh, but Bloodsport rules. Yeah. <laughs> Bloodsport. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's Force Whitaker's in it. It's yeah, got, it's, right. Oh, the best friend is Ogre. Yeah. <laughs> right. Donald's Gibb is the best friend. Jackson! Woo! Jackson! They finish him off. You're like dancing. <laughs> I've got the bug. Hairspray. I love Hairspray. Absolutely. I absolutely love John Hairspray. Waters' best film. Oh, it is his best film. I th- absolutely think there it's his best There you go. Yeah. Um, I, I it's one of my favorite movies of this year. It's in my top ten list. Um, wow! I, oh yeah, I I because the last time I watched it, I realized like what an accomplishment this movie is for him. Yes. Uh, not just for him, but like as a movie. Uh, there's a lot of uh, hairspray. Well, everybody knows hairspray, I guess. But um, <laughs> I don't have to set it up. But you know, this movie takes place during the civil rights era, and there are a lot of prestigious civil rights movies and and, and apartheid movies and everything from this era. And this one's my favorite because it uh, it accomplishes. First of all, it does it in the guise of a comedy, which is very great dictatorish, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, and not just a comedy, but a John Waters comedy. Like mm-hmm. John Waters' voice as a as a com- comedic director uh, is maintained in this movie, even though it's PG, um, and there's not much in the way of gross out humor in it. Uh, you still got Divine in it. You still got a you know wacky cast of characters in it. Um, while being a very you know a serious minded film that never gets heavy handed, yeah, and that is kind of a feat. While also being a lovely tribute to these kind of teenage dance shows of that era, um, and d- digging deep into the soundtrack of that time, like there's so many songs in this movie that I never would have heard if it weren't for this yeah. film. It doesn't go for the, like true. the obvious I was a choices, big, like oldies kind of sewer. Yeah, and this and, was just yeah. And uh, Ricky Lake was a great find for mm-hmm. this movie. Like she's a wonderful hero, and like what? How progressive is that? That like he's you know, I mean th- that's always been John Waters' thing is being on the side of the freaks and the outcasts of society, sure. and this is no different. Um, but this one I think but is this really one broke through the mainstream. Yeah, Most it broke through the really mains. Yeah. yeah, and um, and you can see him really like growing as a filmmaker in this movie. There's yeah. one beautiful moment where uh, it's during the slow dance at uh, you know in this dance hall thing. It's like black, uh, you know, the Negro Night or something like that at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what they call it in the film, yes. folks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what it was at the time. And then he cuts to outdoors, and the two of the main characters are making out with their boyfriends slash girlfriends, whatever. And this sort of street bum comes walking by them, and he's singing along with the song that's being sung inside. And it's like this sort of out of nowhere musical number that just you would never think that John Waters had it in him to like put this in. And it doesn't lend itself to anything, it's just beautiful. Yeah. And like he, you tell like he had really real affection for this time. Yeah, both um, Spike Lee and John Waters, two two filmmakers you wouldn't expect this from, 
just inserting these really sort of beautiful musical moments in their films and yeah. successfully. Yeah, and it's fun. Yeah, it is so just... much fun to watch Hairspray. Yeah. I have a ball watching Hairspray, and I like the remake too. Um, but but uh, but yeah, so this is a, definitely one of the, these movies, one of, one of my absolute favorite movies of this year. How about you, Eric? I like it. Yeah, yeah. I, I <laughs> haven't seen it since the remake. That's the last time I, I oh, yeah. actually saw it. I revisited it then, and I always had the same affection for it. I think it's a, a, just a really sweet movie, and mm-hmm. I'd never quite elevated more uh, the, the way it did, did for for Colin. But I've always liked it, and and yeah, you're right. I mean, if you're familiar with John Waters' work prior to that, it doesn't. I mean, it's a complete leap. It's, it's. I mean, it's almost like a shedding of a lot of the stuff that he did before because it's just it. It feels like a movie. Yeah, <laughs> right. <know>? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm not a fan of that early stuff. I, I'm no. really not. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love John it's Waters a as, of a, as a as a as a person. And stuff. Yeah. I, well, I love him as a per- anytime he's a guest on a show, it's gold. Very I okay. love John mm-hmm. Waters as a person. To talk about Wizard of Oz or right. any movie, mm-hmm. really, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. Um, what's not great at all is Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon. <laughs> you can take this one. I know, but see, I love River Phoenix, and I'll see anything he's in. Um, and you know, one a movie that he's in later this year is much better. Yeah. Um, for some reason, like when I was younger, I was just curious about. I was like, Oh, River Phoenix is like in the sex comedy, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah. he was a heartthrob at this time. Yeah, yeah. That was. Happening. I just, I, I guess he, he seemed a little too young for that to me. Still at that time. Um, I didn't see it then, and it was one of those movies like I always saw, like you know the VHS cover, and just uh, I never heard anything good about it, so why bother? And I see it's on Amazon Prime, and of course I'm prepping for this episode. I watch it, and the quality of it is horrible. The transfer of it is horrible, but then also apparently this is like a director's cut on Amazon mm-hmm. Prime, and I was so perplexed at one point. When a voiceover kicks in and it cuts and the quality is even worse, like VHS quality to where you see the wavy lines all of a sudden, (laughs) and it's like a deleted scene thrown into here, into the director's cut that is pretty awful, and pretty much the whole movie is. I mean, there's very little redeeming qualities about it whatsoever. Um, Forgot who who plays his best friend, but somebody notable. And I can't remember, <laughs> but well, yeah, it's just a mess. And well, I remember uh, like 15 years ago, I want to say, uh, and this is shop talk. You can edit this out if you need to. Looking for stuff to edit out of the podcast, um, but when during the end of the year for screeners, um, for us film critics who get screeners, for some reason we all got, or I got, a bunch of us got a copy of A Night in the Life of Jimmy Reardon the director's cut that you're talking about yeah. with this long letter from the director about explaining what this is and ex- you know wanting us to review it huh. um i never watched it uh because it's just too much other stuff to do and uh yeah and uh, it, it was so bizarre it was like what really why are we doing this why yeah, what, it's what not is a movie this? worth saving yeah i, I was <laughs> like bringing back yeah i'm like yeah. uh so I'm, I'm it's interesting that i'm glad you watched it and then i'm it's interesting that that's out there in that form in that sort of cruddy yeah, sort of it's really bad wow it's and, yeah, like the voiceover is just—it's like Blade Runner, kind of like. All of a sudden, why is this in here? Yeah, For no, I mean, it um, clearly doesn't belong. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I've—if I don't remember making worst lists back then, 
but if I did, this would have been on it. I yeah. I hated this movie when I saw it, and the only reason I watched it, obviously not for River Phoenix, there's a lot of really wonderful ladies in the oh, movie. Sure, Meredith sure. Salinger, Ioni Sky, Patton Oswalt's wife, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Ioni Sky. His best friend, by the way, is Matthew Perry. Yes, that's right. Yes, yeah. way well well before Friends, and uh, I, I just I mean I like I hated River Phoenix in it so much. I hated that I character. Know. I know. And I remember and I remember what Colin's talking about that it was this big deal that it was like one of these movies that was like taken away from the director and it all the footage was found or something like that and I can't remember was it the actual director himself that gave it to us or yeah, was it because he it yeah, was, it was his like footage. one of those raising cane things where no no like no 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 it wasn't a fan thing because I don't okay. <laughs> why would there be a fan cut of yeah. this mo- hocus film hocus pocus two words hocus pocus yeah but. <laughs> You know there's a think piece on Jimmy Reardon in the works, I'm oh, telling you. Okay. All right. No, it's not worth saving at all. Yeah, it's, all right. it's a horrible it is, yeah, film. Yeah, it's one of the yeah. few River Fiend support performances yeah. I can't stand. It's going to make the next couple Let's, movies on the list look much better, actually, yeah. I think. Let's move on to March. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we are in March. Like We're in March. Yeah. So, um, Stand and Deliver I rewatched. Uh, that's yeah, your, I saw that when it first came out and liked it fine yeah it's it's okay i mean it's it's it was pretty progressive for its time as like an almost all latino cast right and, oh, except for andy garcia who has an andy garcia freak out moment at the end can don't I, call me racist can i do the andy garcia yeah, scene? do it do it do it, like, do it it's like no one has the right to call me accuse me of racism no one has the right to accuse me of racism <laughs> yeah uh but uh, Edward James almost nominated for this film. Um, I want to say this. Yeah. I want to say the screenplay was also nominated. I could be wrong. Um, I have the notes. I don't, I don't think check. so. I think it was just the solo nomination that was a okay. kind of big deal at the time. Okay. Um, but it's your. It is one of those movies that is your standard inspirational teacher yeah. film that would become this. A lot of the stuff in this movie would become cliche later on. Uh, but this is like one of the first. So when you watch it today, it's like very predictable and cliche. But it's not. T- it's not bad. It's all right. Um, and almost is very good. All the the best stuff in the movie is the classroom stuff with yeah. Edward James. Almost. Yeah, that's and what the I kids. remember most. Yeah. Uh, I I didn't need to revisit this movie because I saw it about nineteen hundred times in high school. Oh, they made you really? watch it. That, they times? like. Yeah, it was one of those things where I think it was the only tape that the school had so whenever a teacher didn't have a lesson plan or had to leave the room or something like that this was the film that they would put on okay and i'm talking i'm like not just like spanish class but like gym like the 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 the, like the whatever the class was that was quite you know the the gym teacher taught i forgot what class that was health or education health education or something like that um yeah, it's fine. I mean, and yeah. you know, he's teaching math, so that's in, I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, negative times a negative equals a positive. So right. A negative yes, times a negative equals a positive. Equals a positive. Yep. Uh, so yeah, it, it's <laughs> it's it, it's fine. Yeah. You know, and all the kids, you know, they pass the test, and yeah, everything's happy. I wish I could change places with you. Well, I wish I could too. Inside Marshall Seymour, successful businessman, divorced father, and self-styled workaholic beats the heart of a little boy because Marshall Seymour is about to become his 11-year-old son, Charlie. Awesome! And vice versa. If I were to be, you know, a true critic, I'd be like, well, this movie isn't so good. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I kind of like vice versa. I, Certainly not the worst body switching. No, movie of it's this not. Era. It's in like the top half of that era. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean... I, 
I, I think this was pre Wonder Years. Fred Savage. No, 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 no. Fred, right Wonder Years was eighty five. Yeah, eighty six. So this was really eighty five, okay. eighty six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So I wonder what compelled me to see it then. Well, I guess I'm, I must have just Judge Reinhold. Yeah, yeah. I was a huge yeah. Judge Reinhold fan. No, um, no, it's just it's just charming, and it's you know they they work well together. I think they both have a, a lot of uh, you know chemistry together as a father and son, and you know I mean the whole. Uh, skull thing is weird. I don't know, like how they how they is, actually is it any worse bodies. than I peeing in a fountain together? That's I mean, peeing in the, the change up. Oh, I didn't, bu- I didn't see it. That's that. how they it's do like, it, and they're peeing oh, in the God. same magical fountain, and mm. they okay. yeah, that's weird. Um, Penis is out, body switched. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just it's dumb fun that you know I watched a lot as a kid, and still have you know I still watch it and. Smile throughout it, and mm-hmm. it's it's not high art, but it's it's enjoyable for what it is. I meant to go back to it, never got to it. If it's we're, fine. If, if we're going for films that maybe we shouldn't like as, as critics, uh, there, there is one that came out before uh, Vice Versa, the week before actually, that I have always defended, and, and there's so many reasons not to, but I it all I always thought it was a funny movie and it's switching channels you long this can't work no he's a little guy looks just like hitler oh sorry about the hot weather bingham but i see you're dressed for it right down your glasses tied around your neck in case a basketball game breaks out you're marrying a wonderful girl yes i know i wouldn't let her reaction to shellfish put you off a lot of people swell up and turn red get blotches all over their body i used to take lotion and i just put it everywhere a little later, still trying to get rid of the fiancé, Reynolds tricks Reeve into getting into an elevator despite his great fear of heights. What's the matter? Mr. Bingham! Don't touch it! Don't, 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 don't! Ah! Ah! No matter how mad she is at Reynolds, Turner is a pro when the cameras are on. What's the lead, Christine? The lead is former investigative reporter slays ex-husband in TV studio. 20 seconds! I swear on Walter Cronkite's head, I wouldn't hurt the lad. How's the language? What? Have I ever used bad language, you rotten son of a bitch? That was so bad, I didn't even bother. I I think it gets a bad rap. I really do. And and I'm pretty sure Siskel and Eber gave it two thumbs up, I think. I'm pretty sure. Christopher Reeve, Burt Reynolds, and Kathleen Kathleen Turner. Turner. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I think, I mean, Burt Reynolds doesn't run a cop, obviously. We joked about that already. But it just, it was one of those movies where, like, sometimes the Razzies just look for something Burt Reynolds is in to nominate him for. And I think just by osmosis if he's in something they immediately gets shot down but if you go back and watch this he i mean it, it's it they're they're trying to maintain that same pace that his girl friday has and you can oh. argue, i mean we're talking about his girl friday we're talking about one of the greatest comedies ever Absolutely. so obviously to try to replicate that is going to come with a degree of cynicism and and and, and being skeptical about it but <laughs> but Christopher Reeve is very funny in the Ralph Bellamy Role. Uh, it's set in Chicago. It's a Chicago-based movie. It has a lot to do with Chicago politics, which fits, you know, what you know the, the His Girl Friday mold. Uh, I think the, the Turner and Reynolds have that snappy thing together. It seems weird, I know, yeah, but if you go back and watch it, I think that they they're they, they're really they're really good together, and hmm. it worked for me. Hmm. I it, and I I defend it. I, I think people who really crap on this movie are are just doing it because they remember someone else crapping on it mm. and they think it's a post it's it's this bad thing yeah it's not his girl friday it's not but i'll put it up there with some of the better burt reynolds movies i don't know what a low bar i suppose too but still yeah huh. okay 
And Christopher Reeve scared of heights. Come on. That's, I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In in the state building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this this is the last Police Academy movie to come out in theaters, right? No, no six, six came oh, six out. Did? Six okay. came out. All right. Yeah, it was Mission okay. to Moscow that didn't uh, make oh, it okay. into. Yeah. Okay, but, so yeah. all right. I, I, I'm not defending this one. Well, no. not that I would defend. Do you defend any Police Academy movies? No. Anyone? No. no, I thought I was going to defend four for some reason. I have some. But that's some. Not, I rewatched them. Like I saw three and four in the theater, and I have some fond memories of two. Yeah, two's got moments. Two's yeah. got moments. Yeah. Um, but no, I I tuned out by this point. I I just didn't care. <laughs> this, this is well, this is the first one without Gutenberg too. That's true. This is, they oh, okay. they replaced him with Matt McCoy, who's now in Silicon Valley and I think doing uh, like uh, Metamucil commercials or something. <laughs> hmm. um, movie that doesn't hold up for me as well as DOA, which That's is true. the remake of the That's Edmund O'Brien true. thriller. This is the uh, Dennis Quaid and and Meg Ryan um, thing. Um, I definitely saw this too young. And I think it was just because I loved Inner Space so much, mm. and I wanted to see I wanted to see them again in Together. a different movie. Yeah. yeah, I loved it when it came out. Yeah. I thought like stylistically it was beautiful to look at, and then now I watch it today, and I'm just it just didn't do anything for me at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed yeah. to hear you say that. Yeah, it's no, still I'm disappointed, I'm I'm disappointed to say that. To <laughs> I mean, what, I mean, is it just I mean, the style not seem as good? I mean, because no, think, it just doesn't it doesn't. I don't know. I it just the story just didn't grab me this time. Oh, it, it had yeah. been like 20 years since I'd seen it, and. Uh, I don't know. I, I I don't despise it or anything like yeah. that. It's just it just didn't. It, uh, this was like a. I loved this movie when it came. Yeah, out, I and I was too. really yeah. disappointed. I was like, I'm not loving it now. Oh. But this happened. You know, that, yeah, that happens I think with that there's because you know? beyond the mystery element of the movie, I, I, I still think the style of it is really good. It's short. it's like 97 minutes. It's yeah. short. Yeah. Uh, I like the the the, trend, the color transition throughout the movie that, mm-hmm. that they're going for. I think Quaid's really good in the movie. I think that some, the, the dialogue does have a, a bit of a crackle to it at, at, at times. Uh, yeah, I mean, they basically get to a point where they just kill off so many people that it's like, well, of course course that's the person yeah. uh, who that's, did it right. but i didn't mind that because i even like i even like the reasoning behind it uh and yeah you see all the clues there mm-hmm. if you're paying attention but i loved it the first time i saw it and i still really enjoy the hell out of it okay so okay right. <laughs> any of you ever see aria I feel like I might have. <laughs> this, I think chapters of it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So this is like an anthology film made by a bunch of filmmakers, and it's all like everybody's doing an opera film. An Jean opera. Luc, is it Godard? Godard, Nicholas Rogue, Bruce Beresford, Robert Altman, uh, Ken Russell, uh, and basically they're all just. It's just a bunch of horny guys making a lot of <laughs> trying to make high art out of what they really just want to have a lot of tits in their film. That's it's just oh, okay. it's just like uh, we're yeah <laughs> it's like yeah, we're really just making erotica but we're putting opera behind it just to make it more prestigious and art house ish mm-hmm. but it's like it's just it's kind of nonsense but it's not unwatchable it's got tits in it <laughs> it's got a lot of new, yeah just a lot of horny directors <laughs> making a movie where it's like we don't have to, we don't have to ascribe to any particular story or plot structure or anything we can just do whatever we want with this movie let's get Bridget Fonda in here and take, get her to take her clothes off that's basically what this is and Phil Kaufman's like any room for me guys yeah <laughs> you had your three hour epic we are going to sit through that again alright you have to choose between that and Pound Purries or Pound, pound Puppies Pound Puppies and the Legend Sorry, of Big I'm Paw I'm a cat guy, I'm a per- cat guy. you shouldn't be well, well you're both your boys are both we're cat both cat guys cat. yeah I like dogs no, too allergies um. So anyway, I didn't anyway. see pound puppies or anything. No, me neither. No, but you did see Biloxi Blues. I did, and I I liked it. 
I liked it fine. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Utterly original, strong, intelligent, and challenging. Extraordinary and courageous performances by Barbara Hershey and Jill Clayburgh. Roger Ebert, Chicago Sun-Times. Grace? I thought you left to work on your story. Thought maybe you'd like to come. You know Granddad's brother who went down to Louisiana and became some kind of an outlaw? I mean, it is fabulous. There's got to be a story in it. A New York journalist and her daughter embark on a journey into a different world. Into the heart of the Louisiana Bayou. And I, I don't know, maybe the box office take was so poor that it didn't even register on Box Office Mojo's uh, website because I looked it up and there's nothing. Um, and uh, it's a really strange, interesting film made by Andre Konchalowski, who did Runaway Train and would eventually do the crazy <laughs> Nutcracker movie uh, nice. that came out in 2011. And Tango and Cash. And, and oh, Tango and Cash. Um, so he's a crazy director. but th- And this is a really interesting film about, um, uh, who is it again? Uh, Jill Clayburgh, uh, who goes to, travels to the, the uh, swamplands of Louisiana and kind of reunites with her family yeah, yeah and and just and it's barbara hershey and her two or three three sons uh who are just living in the swamps and they have no electricity and um and martha plimpton is jill play Kleber's daughter and she travels with her and she gets kind of tangled up with these guys too um it's a really interesting movie that uh it's hard to describe it is hard to describe like it's one of those we, i knew we were going to talk about it i'm like i don't know it's it's kind of a, an enigma in a way, but it's but it's, it's, at the same time it's still straightforward and, and yeah. it's like you know just ta- covering you know family strife and you yeah, know I mean a, a stranger in a strange land kind of a thing going on a little bit. Yeah, it's a drama. It kind of escalates to, to sort of a thriller towards the end. Yeah, yeah, um, true. And everybody's kind of given. Uh, not a, so a lot of the supporting characters are giving kind of over the top performances. I this is my favorite Barbara Hershey performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she's great in this movie. Uh, yeah, you know, no, and definitely. and I mean, you know, Mary Willing- Winningham is in it. She's all dialed up at one point. Uh, you know, Martha Plimpton's you know killing it with some eighties dance moves at one point. Don Swayze looks like Tennessee Buck. There's a deep cut for you. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, it's got a Tangerine Dream score. That's, that's, um, that's, 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 but at that's one my point, jam right there. Yeah, but but at one point in the movie, when they're taking a trip into town, they play this horrendous pop song, and yeah. I feel like I, I should be I should be watching like ninjas in training during the song. <laughs> mm. You know, it's like this does not belong here. Yes, um, definitely did not. But uh, and it's it's been impossible to find. It's never been on DVD. It's never been. Uh, it, it, it's it's just it. It's been it's kind in limbo, of right? it's very well. Warner Brothers put it out on video. Warner Canon again, yeah. Um, okay. And it's you can watch it on YouTube. Somebody uploaded a really nice letterbox copy on YouTube, uh, which is how I watched it this Same. time. And uh, it's worth seeing. It's, it's definitely it's, worth seeing. Yeah. So, uh, but it just boy did it die at the box office. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. an interesting movie. Yeah. Well, I'm wondering. I'm going to assume. I'm going to guess that Ebert saw it because it premiered at Cannes in yeah. 1987. Right. Where she actually won Best Actress yeah. for it. Oh. Okay. And uh, and also one of the sons in the movie is played by Merrick Buttrick, who was Kirk's son in Star Trek Two II and Three. Oh. Okay. okay. And he died of AIDS in 1989. Oh, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. Hmm. Okay. So yeah. So shy people. 
uh, lost a lost gem that should be you rediscovered know, I, I, and I, I put do, out. I do recall seeing being being their opening night for Beetlejuice, and mm-hmm. I, I I mean again like Tim Burton wasn't a household name at that point or anything, but. No. I, I'm guessing it was advertised as from the director of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, but also Michael Keaton. Yeah, that's all. That's all I needed at that time. Yeah. to get me in the theater. Um, and this is just an inventive movie from beginning to end. It was. What, I remember when when I walked out of it, it was like the first time I went. I'd never seen anything like that before. That was completely original and yeah. weird. And I mean, it's not hysterically funny or anything, but there are some oh, great. I don't know about that. There's some there's great. Some no, there's some really great Michael Keaton one. stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and my grandparents liked Harry Belafonte, so that was nice. Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's it's good. I still I still think it holds up as definitely one of the. Str- I mean, especially when we think of more recent Burton. I mean, this is definitely light years better than a lot of his recent output. Um, I don't I don't go back to it as much as you know I I, I might have back then because it was probably one of those I saw on cable a lot and would just watch it over and over and over again and you know and strangely related to Winona Ryder a little bit <laughs> for better or worse mm-hmm. but uh yeah no i think i think it's 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 a it's a very good movie and not not like one of my all-time favorites or anything but it's just it's well, just it also, great it also showed that like it proved that Pee-wee's big adventure was not strictly Pee-wee her, or Paul Rubin's creation yeah like, yeah, yeah exactly it it this like oh they Tim Burton's input in that film was actually really important and we'll we know we'll uh, further explain that later on too um so it's like oh there's this tim burton is a real has a real gift for imaginative visuals and he's got a really yeah. creative imagination he took like um, the large marge from peewees and put a lot of that right mm-hmm. right imagination right. into this yeah for sure yeah a lot of the stop motion stuff that he was doing doing yeah. in that yeah i've always loved Beetlejuice. I mean, yeah. for for all the reasons that you talk about, and you know, as soon as Keaton shows up in that movie, I mean, it's really inventive up to that point, and then Keaton shows up and just knocks the movie over, and, and oh yeah, you know, and takes over, and everything he does in the movie, and he's only in the movie for well, only like fifteen minutes, maybe or something ridiculous, yeah. And he, I mean, he kills in it. Love Beetlejuice. I remember being shocked mm-hmm. that the F word was in it <laughs> for a PG yeah. movie, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. PG. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we're in April now. Um, good move. That's a good movie to release on April first, actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was released alongside Bright Lights, Big City, which uh, is that's another one that's hard to find. That I couldn't. I couldn't rewatch. But that was the one that I was going through my folders, and I couldn't believe I had. Oh, <laughs> I had Bright Lights. Actually, own Bright Lights, Big City. This for me is like uh, this, and uh, another movie we'll talk about later on is uh, the first time I ever th- heard there was such a thing as screeners. Because I was like, mm-hmm. I was very, I, I was very well known at this particular video store, and with some of the people who worked there, and they're like, "Hey, I got a copy of Bright Lights Big City, and it's a screener." I was like, "What's a screener? Oh my god, we actually, I can watch this now! Like, it doesn't come out on video for another like three months, and I can watch it now." It was that and Lady in White were the two mm-hmm. movies oh, that I got to do that with, good. so yeah. I was like really happy. <laughs> um, but anyway, a little memory there. Uh, it's okay. It, I mean, it's it's a, an adaptation of a book that a lot of people don't like, or you know, but that was very much adored at the time. Again, we're talking about addu- uh, addiction, uh, drug addiction, alcoholism, uh, big theme. lifestyle, yeah, excess, uh, big theme for this year. Um, a lot of people thought Michael J. Fox was miscast. I, I okay. I mean, he's been miscast worse time, in yeah. uh, in other things like Light of Day. Um, but I, he's okay here. 
I always liked Michael J. Fox doing drama. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I do too. Can, I would like him I like trying to do drama. Yeah. I think he's very good in actually. Yeah. 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 Some people think he's miscast in that too. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it seemed like because of his TV persona and because he you know had that likable presence and whatnot, to see him doing anything where he was trying to stretch himself seemed like too much of a stretch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't dislike Bright Lights Big City either because I think there are some really powerful individual scenes in that movie. I mean, it, and yeah, it was funny. That's what I remember from it. And yeah. rewatching it again, I it, it, I was struck that it wasn't, like, I thought it was going to be a lot of scenes in clubs and a lot of scenes in bathrooms and doing cocaine and whatnot. And it's really not like that. It really, I mean, there's a lot of stuff with him at work and him screwing up and things like that that are sort of the aftermath of doing some of those things. Uh, but it's not so much that. I mean, him, there's, there's a lot of stuff about him and the grief he feels over his mom dying the year before and I think some of that stuff really works there's a really great scene between him and Swoozie Kurtz uh, in, in the movie where he kind of lays all that out and lays it and he's drinking and whatnot but he lays it all out on her and uh, I think that's a really good scene I think Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland again could kind of do this role in his sleep but compared to Michael J. Fox he seems very at ease in this type of like role, the ena- and I think enabler in this more or less. Kind of, yeah, he's yeah. best friend. He's always one who's bringing the drugs and tell him, right. tell him, come out, come out, come out. Uh, but he's also really good uh, in the film. Phoebe Cates is kind of wasted as the wife that left yeah. him, unfortunately. But uh, it's, it's it's I didn't dislike the movie. I, I, yeah. I really didn't. What an endorsement! Yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious. <laughs> it's better than less than zero. It's better than the boost. Yeah. No, that's not what you want. Jamie, that's not what you want. No. Shh, 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 shh. No, no. Calm down. Calm down. Uh, baby. Poor baby. Did you skip over mm. bad dreams? Ugh. We're trying to. I guess oh, so. I, uh, <laughs> but I kind of like bad dreams. Well, I couldn't find it. We'll talk about I it. I really were. It's, it's I on tried. a Blu-ray with visiting hours. Yeah. Is it? It's oh, on a Shout okay. Factory Blu-ray. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. Jennifer Rubin, and you know, it starts off with like a. It starts off just like Lord of Illusions, actually. Yes. Like almost beat for beat. Uh, Which and, came out five years later. Right. Yeah. Right. And yeah, it's just like a cult kind of a movie that starts out that way, and then she winds up being one of the survivors after they all you know have a mass suicide. They like set the house on fire and just die burn together. themselves yeah to they death. burn themselves to death she survives winds up in an institution in a coma like years oh, oh yeah, and, later yeah in a coma and yeah. then yeah winds up you know inpatient and dealing with some very interesting characters throughout this institution very dream warriors like <laughs> um but yeah I, I i mean i guess like there there's an overarching question of whether everybody's going insane or if there's actually somebody messing with them um, on the inside, and yeah, it's it it kind of it, the last act of this movie is really bad, uh, and you know especially like the, the the main villain of the film kind of dies, and then the cop just sh- literally just goes, yeah, he, he just sh- shrugs. He shrugs, yeah, mm-hmm. that's it, okay. That's it. The end of the movie. I just end this movie. Is like that's, what, that's kind of what he's giving off is like in terms of vibes and stuff. Um, but yeah, it's it's okay. I don't know. I I, I don't know. I, I I like Andrew Fleming as a director. I think this was his directorial debut. This is yeah. obviously light years removed from Honeymoon in Vegas and Dick Dick and it could happen to you and stuff like right. that. Uh, Wait, a minute, is that that's, that's Andrew Bergman? 
Andrew Bergman? Yeah. yeah. Andrew Fleming's The Craft. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, of course, Andrew Fleming did Dick. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that. cut that out. Um, Straight out of context. I, I, when I saw this movie back then, I hated it. Like hated it every fiber of my being, yeah. and I watched. And I, Ebert did too. Yeah. yeah, and I watched it again, and I, I still completely agree with Ebert on this movie. I, th- I think this movie is kind of vile, mm. and, and but not in a clever kind of way. Like it's not clever in a, in a gore sense. It's not clever in a scary way. Uh, you mentioned you know exactly what's going on in the movie. They keep whether or not the Richard Lynch cult leader has actually come back to life and to claim. Now, new people who have nothing to do with him from yeah. the, the thing. Like, why is he haunting all of her, you know, institution mates? It just doesn't make any sense. And, of course, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but I, I just, think I might be projecting a little bit, but there's a little subtext about psychopharmacology towards the end. Yeah, which, again, it just makes everything that comes before it all the more reprehensible. Uh, I, I think that, you know, if you're going to do the horror movie, you know, just do the standard one where he's... You know, coming back because the yeah. two halves, that are the first two thirds and the last third, don't mesh at all. And the, putting what those characters go through in the movie, like trying to do like clever gore scenes, like two people jump into a, a fan, uh, and and then there's an aftermath after that that is absolutely sickening and vile. It'd be clever if it was a fun movie, but it's not a fun movie. And Dean Cameron, you know, has a moment with scalpels that is pretty yeah. terrible, uh, and it is is just it is an ugly, ugly movie that I really can't stand. It's all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one one of the movie one of the more controversial movies that came out this year uh, was a movie called Colors, directed by Dennis Hopper, starring uh, Robert Duvall and Sean Penn as L.A. cops in uh, dealing with. LA gangs and street violence and everything um, and it's it was for its time I think a pretty good film uh, today I, I think a lot of the performances hold up and everything but it would never get it would not no one would stand for this movie today you're going to talk about especially the climate of Black Lives Matter like you're uh. going gonna to make a movie about gang violence you're going to tell it from the cops point of view I don't think so uh, but that's that was the movie that came out in 1988 um, and uh, I think a lot. Some of it holds up pretty well, and you know, some of it's a little melodramatic. But um, <laughs> Damon Wayans has really funny Over, little oh, yeah, cameo right. in it, about which that. is one of, the, yes. one of the more bizarre scenes. It's in so the film. bizarre. <laughs> it's like so like late <laughs> in the movie. Too. Yeah, like after all the stuff you've gone through, like Damon Wayans. And this, is, I mean, In Living Color hadn't started yet, right? So people didn't know who this guy was, right? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Now, so now you watch it. It's like, why is it? Why is it now a Damon Wayans comedy? Like he's yeah. playing this bizarre, like, drugged out character who is what runs around in a diaper and holding dancing. onto a dancing with a giant stuffed bunny. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wait a minute. I, I thought I was watching a variation of Boys in the Hood or something like that. Now it's this movie. T Bone. Everything's cool. Come on, let's go. There's your rabbit, T Bone. There's your rabbit. Get up, T Bone. 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 Get up, T Bone.
It's an interesting movie, just would not get made today. You know, yeah, it's I a didn't product get a of its time. To rewatch it, but I do remember liking it when it yeah. first came out. Yeah, I think it's a little better than 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 Colin does. Uh, because I mean, because it does. While there there are a lot of scenes that deal with the gangs and their relationship with cops. I mean, this movie is about the, it, I mean, it got labeled as the gang movie, you know, yeah. and be, because it caused all the strife because there were incidents at theaters that people were reporting on where gang members were yeah. fighting each other, you know, going to see this movie. So that, that that's one of the reasons why it became a thing, but it is a movie about the cops and the, the differing, um, uh, psychological way that they deal with the gang. If Sean Penn is the hot-headed character that would be the focus of a movie like that today, mm-hmm. that he's the one just, you know, I, I will bust anyone for anyone, for anything, and putting the smack down on anyone he can get his hands on while Robert Duvall is trying to be the one that, like, look, we're not going to bust you for this, you can help, you know, it's that relationship for him. It's a little more, he's a little more end-of-watch to an extent, mm-hmm. and Sean Penn's a little more the the, the you know the bad c- cop character in, in a way. He's not wholly bad. He's just trying to do his job to the little literal letter of the law and breaking a couple rules along the way. Uh, so I think it, I, I think it's an interesting movie to watch as the dynamic between cops and yeah. gangs in in uh, a situation like that. So I don't I don't necessarily agree that it couldn't be made today. I think there I think you're right that. People would be more upset, yeah. That it, I mean. you know that it was focused on the cops and not the yeah. you know focused on the white characters as opposed to the you know, oh, the boy. people of color, the literal colors character. But there's a lot of stuff you know with the gangs and the warring factions factions in the movie. I mean, Don Cheadle plays the main like yeah. the, the gang leader who kills a guy at the beginning of the movie, and then is the guy that everyone's after that hmm. keeps getting referenced throughout the entire movie. Didn't this just so, come out on Blu-ray recently? Recently, yeah. Shout Factory put it out. But I think it was part of their Shout Select line. Uh, really good-looking okay. transfer, too. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, where should we go to next, guys? Uh, I, uh, Baghdad Cafe. Oh, really? Oh, in oh, April. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, a really quirky... This is... This is when you know indie films were often called quirky, and uh, this is definitely quirky, but really good quirky. It's really it's, it's a really, really good quirky. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's not annoying quirky. There are annoying quirky things but coming. It up, starts but. off really kind of like a little manic almost. Like oh it's yeah, a, it starts off like quirky. I'm like, is this really the tone of the movie? Yeah, no. I, it's it takes a lot of. It's like every. It's stylistically, it is a really uh, unique film. Like every single scene is shot through a very colorful filter. Oh yeah. Uh, that is um, that makes it just have, it gives it its, its own unique look. Um, and uh, this is this was a this was a. Big art house hit uh, that yeah, especially over surprised Europe, a lot of people. I think. It was like the number one film in Europe. I don't know specifically. But yeah, it was like really highly praised, and it came out a year before over there. And it's just a really interesting look at America from uh, a German perspective, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she's German, and she's uh, Marianne Sajbrecht, I think, is the name of the actress. Yeah. Uh, she was the housekeeper in uh, War of the Roses. That's right. Um, and Rosalie goes shopping. Yeah, and so she uh, gets... Uh, she, her, her, she and her husband have this big argument, and she 
you know, gets out of the car and is in this desert uh, and outside Las Vegas and comes across this tiny little cafe and sort of befriends everybody be- there. Yeah, and, and stays at the hotel mm-hmm. nearby. And I just I like it when a bunch of different eccentric people sort of gather in one location and all sort of get to know one each other in their Yeah, and they've kind of like all collectively made this decision that this is where they're going to spend their yeah. a, a good amount of time of their lives. Yeah, I and like the, this the, movie. Yeah, it's, and the desert landscape, you know, it, it's definitely not on the level of Paris, Texas, but just kind of but it's like... it's a beautiful looking film. Yeah, it's beautiful looking, and by the end, I was kind of... I loved all these people. And yeah. I, I, like, my only critique of it would be is that it feels too short. Like, I know there's... A, a version out there that's maybe like 15 minutes longer yeah but it, the way it ends it's kind of abrupt where it's just it is like, abrupt yeah, yeah. I, I mean but it's still really charming mm-hmm. and uh cch pounder is that is that mm-hmm. yeah she's great yeah she's really great she's yeah. got a great screen presence here and yeah i just i love this movie it, surp- it surprised me because i just i mean i heard a lot of good things about it but it just I, it just kind of appeals to my taste Mm -hmm. in general and sense of humor and certainly the cinematography is just gorgeous universal pictures presents a very important motion picture that asks a very serious question about life in the 80s could you imagine us doing this horizontally casual sex you're horny i am not horny i hate that word I feel so many things right now. This is kind of interesting. I mean, this Marty is meant to be enjoyed by people, you know? You can have one with the guy on top. I just move my hips like this. God, how do you do that? Like a little old. Even though I'm incredibly sexy, I have never been to bed with anyone in my entire life. Casual sex. Well, I, you didn't give me an opportunity. Oh, okay. Well, well, do, do, I, do we really need to talk about casual no, sex? I, mean, I never saw it. I never so saw, I I never saw, never saw casual sex? I never no. saw it either. I, really, I, I've seen I, I casual knew, sex. I knew you would have. Well, Leia Thompson well, yeah, is yeah. in it, and Andrew Dice Clay. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just saying. Was, I'm just saying it was in the movie. Not not the reason I saw it. Okay. Uh, no, I mean it's 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 you know it's, it's two dumb. two friends go to like a a, a resort uh, and they're hoping to meet guys. That's basically all it is. And mm-hmm. they you know it's it, <laughs> why is it why is the title a question mark? Casual uh, sex? Because should we have it? Should it <laughs> okay. be casual or should we find love? Kind oh, okay. Of, you know, all right. It's one okay. of those types of movies. Okay. You know, and it's 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 not particularly good i mean it's it's you know if you're a big leah thompson fan like some of us are uh you can at 87 minutes or whatever it is you can spend worse times uh but but it's a weird it's weird that when you go back and watch it now how weird leah thompson's sex life was in the 1980s in film can you consider howard the duck howard the duck okay duck back to the future or sun and casual sex andrew dice clay so that's that's the list. Yeah, she, end, she ends up. She and ends back up to the, with, well, back to the future too. Yeah, which she's with Biff. Biff. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's also right. very. So that, that fits right right into that. But yeah, no. She basically wow. this movie. You know, Andrew Dice Clay starts off as Andrew Dice Clay, and then becomes the like the guy that actually learns to be a better man 
by the end of the movie, hmm. and he's like, I didn't know I'd end up with Vinny, I think it was, or The Vinny, because he's, it's like one of those, like, and Andrew Dice Clay as The Vinny or something, I forgot what oh God. he's called in the movie. Uh, yeah, and Victoria, you know, talking about crazy people, Victoria Jackson is the friend in the movie. Uh, you get to see both of their butts. Okay. That's uh, that's okay. really about all I, that, I remember that, and I remember Andrew Dice Clay becoming a good guy by the end of the movie, and wow. them ending up together. Okay. There you, I talked about it. Okay. There you go. There you now go. write the remake, <laughs> Casual Encounters. Yeah, with an exclamation point. Of course. <laughs> Casual Encounters. Right. Yeah. Uh, one of the, my favorite movies to watch at Halloween is Lady in White. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, really Love. L- wonderful ghost, wonderful atmospheric ghost story, old-fashioned ghost story. Lucas Haas, a little kid in elementary school, sees a ghost. He gets locked into a... a closet in his school by school bullies and wakes up and sees a ghost of a little girl who was murdered many years ago um and it's uh i I just i love that this is i I have a genuine fondness for movies that are filmed in the fall and really capture that fall feeling that fall look and this is one of those movies that really captures the halloween atmosphere perfectly um so yeah i i always love this movie i love it yeah, I mean, you think about what we were basically growing up with horror-wise in the 1980s, if you just go 80 to 88, for example, mm-hmm. a movie like this was like a complete change of pace, such a complete, Breath you know, yeah, like, I mean, if you you could go back and watch all the old, a lot of the old classic ghost stories and things like that, but even some of the haunted house movies we probably were seeing around that time were bloody and nasty and whatnot, and this was kind of elegant and yeah. beautiful and whatnot. It was much more, I mean, you mentioned Great Fall movies, something like Something Wicked This Way Comes, yep. that yeah, has yeah. an atmosphere along with it, and it's a mystery to boot, and I always remember liking the mystery of it. Yeah, uh, me too, yeah. Leisure so, yeah. but always interesting, mm-hmm. and... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I mm-hmm. just—it's got—it's great atmosphere mm-hmm. throughout this movie too. Yeah, yeah, not, uh, over, an underappreciated film. People mm-hmm. looking for horror. One movies of those that every took year. a while to kind of come out in proper format, right? Well, I, was thinking, oh, I thought it was out of print for a while. Or it was out of print on DVD yeah. for a while, but the DVD that came out was very good. Ah, yeah, okay. and it's on Blu-ray yeah. now as well. Yeah, I should pick that up then. Mm-hmm. Anybody watch Sunset? Anybody ever see Sunset? I saw Sunset back in the day. Yeah, it's not very good. No. Uh, this was Blake Edwards, uh, you know, ode to old Hollywood with uh, Tom Mix and Wyatt Earp teaming up to solve a mystery, um, and is played by James Garner and Bruce Willis. And this is a great idea for a film, a really yeah. great idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but boy, is it dead on arrival. I mean, this thing is a just lays there. Um, hmm. I mean. Forget about it. It's, it's, if, it if you're looking for a, a you know, laugh-out-loud comedy, it's not going to deliver. But even as in the terms of just the energy of it, it just sits there. And I think a big part of that is Bruce Willis is really miscast in this film. Because he just doesn't have that sort of old uh, Hollywood persona that would translate well for this kind of film. He just doesn't. He's In the late 80s, Bruce Willis is, you know... An 80s, very modern, very modern, yeah. yeah, and it just doesn't work here. Um, and he can't maintain an accent. He had a couple scenes where he's trying for an accent, and he just kind of gives up at one point. Um, and you can tell, like Blake Edwards has a real fondness for this time period, but yet he still manages manages to cast the worst Mae West impersonator ever in this movie. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Dermot Maroney has a it's his debut uh, in a movie. It's his first. As May West. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it didn't work. I don't know why it didn't work. Hmm, interesting, uh, but yeah, it was a huge bomb. And when you watch it, you can see why. So, yeah, I just mentioned Paris, Texas. Yeah, you did. You did. And uh, my second favorite Vim Vendors movie is Wings of Desire. My favorite Vim Vendors film. Um, as well, as well, it should be probably my now after going back and revisiting all these movies, uh, probably my favorite film of the year now. Ooh, mm. I l- absolutely love this movie now, and it took me a while to love it. That's true. It, it did really, take me a couple of viewings to really warm up to it. Well, I, I, I have an interesting story. Yeah, about going to see this thing. Um, this girl in high school, who I'm still friends with to this day, um, I was. We went out on a on a date in high school, and I this movie was only playing at the Fine Arts Theater downtown oh, Chicago, which was across the street from the uh, Art Institute. And this was the first time I'd ever taken a date, like on a train to go downtown to go to a movie. Mm. Um, it seemed pretty epic, and I felt pretty awesome about that. <laughs> that this is like going to be our. We're not doing dinner to movie. I'm going to take you downtown. To see a, a so did you do it because it was at the fine arts, or did you do it because you want to see the movie? Both. Okay. Both. I mean, okay. I, I had no choice. I really wanted to see this film, <laughs> okay. and I could only see it at the fine arts. Okay. And we got there a little bit late, and we walked in, and we were just we watched about five minutes of it. And we we're just like, I have no idea. I cannot. I'm not ready for this. Or you know, it's like <laughs> I had that feeling in my head. I'm like, I thought I was ready for every kind of art house film. I thought I was Mr. Sophistication. I'm watching five minutes of this. I'm like I have, I'm lost. I have no idea what's going on. I can't follow this. And we just both decided to leave. And so we ended up seeing. We we looked at what else our choices were. We ended up going to see a movie we'll talk about later called Track Twenty Nine. Oh boy! So, <laughs> sorry. oh boy! But no, but luckily she's cool. Like she's like she's into art house stuff and uh-huh. weird stuff like me. So like that's why we're we were a good match. Okay. But um. But yeah. So. <laughs> That was my introduction to Wings of Desire. Watched it on video eventually many years later. Liked it. Didn't quite connect with it. Watched it again. Still kind of not connecting with it. But admiring it for a lot of things. Watched it a month ago. I'm I'm now this thing is way in my wheelhouse and I'm absolutely yeah, ready for I it. <laughs> I can totally see why. And yeah. I like the remake. I'm one of the few. I haven't seen the remake since it first came out. So yeah. I have no... I, yeah. I, but it's a different movie. I mean, it's a totally I know. different yeah. animal. I mean, it's, movie, yeah. it really just takes the whole concept of it and sticks to it as a simple love story narrative. Mm-hmm. Whereas this yeah. movie is about Germany. It's about you can't make. You know, he, he, That's true. He yeah. made this There's movie huge with political and sociological things going on in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's very much all fits in with the themes of the movie of dislocation and yeah. and you know duality and everything um and there's just nothing like it and the movie was kind of pretty much improvised in a very sort of terrence malicky kind of way and i think that's sure. the reason why yeah. i love it now um and you know because they had no script um and they did but there were like monologues that were written uh the very stream of consciousness monologues for you know characters to say because it's about these two angels who are eavesdropping on people and hearing their inner thoughts that they wouldn't speak out loud um and it's just uh, with the, the 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 music of it the black and white cinematography is 
stunning. The Nick Cave performance. The Nick Cave so is good. awesome in it. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, everything about this now, this is a, a classic example of a movie that I just wasn't ready for in 1988. I just wasn't there yet. But now as an adult, I watch it and it's like, I love every single thing about this movie. Yeah. That's when you, it does take some time. Yeah. I, I think yeah. for most people. I don't know if it's instant love right away. Um, unfortunately, the, the sequel is not very good. But it's it's named it. after my favorite U two song, right? So. Yeah, and it's yeah, and yeah. it's and it uh, that took a while for it to come out because I think they were waiting for the wall to come down, and then right, now right. it's a different film. So, but yeah, no wings. I'd, of I'd be curious to go back and watch Far Away So Close again because I haven't seen it in a long, long time. I don't remember much about it. So, mm. yeah, I know that's what I hear. Eric, what do you think? I like it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I can't top that. I, I, no. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. I know it must sound absurd. But I can hear all the melancholy sound I ever heard. Everybody's happy, <laughs> right? Happy, happy, happy. Everybody's happy, <laughs> right? Two uh, days after my uh, my 10th birthday, the uh, movie Shakedown came out, and I didn't see it until recently. <laughs> and I think it's fun. It's a fun. It's a, it's a dumb it, fun movie. Yeah, it's ridiculous, but it's fun. Yeah. It, the, the alternate title of the movie should be No Consequences. Yeah, uh, right. it is, I mean, it is. I, if, if, <laughs> The fact that Sam Elliott almost causes 9-11 in 1988. <laughs> he does. He yeah, almost yeah. causes 9-11 right. in 1988. The thing is about Shakedown is, I mean, it was uh, directed by um, uh, Glickenhaus. Um, I, I was just talking about this on my podcast, actually. Um, and he had done like kind of like a series of exploitative action movies in the 80s but like low budget you know the kind mm-hmm. of Ken Waller is, Wall is in and stuff uh, so this was like sort of like this big sort of studio financed action movie and and it's, there's there's really fun stuff in the movie I mean the, the action scenes are actually very well done oh yeah I, you know you, you put There's an action sequence on a roller coaster scene is, fan- is really fantastic great payoff uh, at the end with what the cops oh, does too absolutely <laughs> absolutely uh, so there's fun stuff it, I mean it's one of those movies where you know if you're in the line of fire you're getting shot it's just it's, it's kind of crazy <laughs> and Sam Elliott busts into the police station kills two cops no one says anything into the police station. He kills two cops yeah. in the interrogation room, and yeah, no one, like you said, it's called No Consequences. Uh, <laughs> alternate title shakedown, and it's it's unfortunate that it has that really great stunt at the end with the airplane and the car, and then there's a shot of Sam Elliott hanging off the plane. That is the only shot in the movie. Like all the stunts are right there on screen yeah. and everything, and there's that one shot of Sam Elliott on the wheel. That is so gr- that is green screen so to green death, screen. and it's yeah. so out of place because yeah. everything else has been right there and it's happening in front yeah. of your eyes, <clears throat> and it's just that one shot is like, hey, <laughs> and they're like, well, no, no and then yeah. and they're like, look out for the towers, oh, oh, oh boy, I know it's, yeah. it's pretty crazy that oh, the way man. things wrap up, but mm-hmm. they have great chemistry together. They're they're a lot of fun. Oh to yeah, watch. Weller and yeah yeah Weller, Weller and Elliot have a lot of fun, and yeah. all brand new 
Blu-ray uh, from Shout Factory came out. Uh, oh, okay, just, just a couple weeks ago. So and it looks that. good too. Yeah. Mm. All right. Uh, so the other only other movie I have highlighted for May. I don't know if you guys have anything <laughs> else to talk about. Is uh, Willow, which was really supposed to be this, you know, big. Uh, I mean, they had a lot of high hopes for this film. I mean, it was George Lucas's story, Ron Howard directing. It's a big epic fantasy, and it just laid an egg. Uh, it just kind of—it's not Howard the Duck level bad or anything, but no, it is. No, no. But it just kind of everybody just was shrugged it off and was pretty indifferent. And I think one of the reasons why, other than it being very like overlong and bloated and just very, all the characters are kind of derivative of other, you know, films from this genre, uh, even star Wars is just like by this time, this genre had already been dead and gone. Yeah. The fantasy. Yeah. The big epic quest fantasy, you know, that sort of, I think ended right around legend or labyrinth, you know, uh, Mm. was princess bride giant bomb. I don't think, I mean, that's that's different type of of comedy. Yeah. 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 But no, this is, uh, so I think this is, uh, timing is part of the, the reason why this one just didn't quite register with audience. I mean, it, it wasn't, a huge disaster or anything. I mean, I'm looking at the yeah, it made box office. Money it was a really expensive yeah. movie, though. Yeah. The time, though, so oh, yeah. I think the it doesn't look the button. The numbers don't look bad, but I think they're worse. Yeah. It was a very expensive production. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of special effects. It's a very special effects heavy movie. You got mm-hmm. two characters who are like three inches tall who are in a lot of scenes. Um, and, you know, and it's just big production, you know, bringing this world to, to life. But when you got George Lucas and Ron Howard at the helm, well, they can pretty much do whatever they want. Uh, but that maybe that's a, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I remember so. seeing this when I was younger. I went, eh, it's all right. And I rewatched it again and went, eh, it's, it's all right. It's one of those movies that I want to defend, <laughs> sure. but I can't bring myself to say the words right. about it. Because uh, I, I like Val Kilmer in it. I like the score in it. I think some yeah, of the action the scenes are, are nicely sure. done. Uh, when you watch it today, you just go like, "Wow, Lucas really ripped off Lord of the Rings." Yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, for sure. And it, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the reaction I defend, I defend to Will. Ron Howard. Like, you know, I do my best to defend George Lucas at times. Lucas had that was not a great run. No. Eighty six to eighty eight post Jedi. No. Yeah, Labyrinth was a huge bomb. Howard the Duck, obviously. I didn't know uh, Labyrinth was a huge bomb. Huge bomb. Wow. Yeah. Huge. Dis- that's another huge one disappointment. that just- Everybody loves now. Not a movie. I mean, great artistry in that movie, but the plot and it's it's kind of a drag at times to sit through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And Willow, you say the same thing uh, about right. So, Uh, was the biggest film of the year Crocodile Dundee two? Was it the biggest film? No, no, it's not the highest grossing. No, 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 okay. But I remember the the weekend. It was Crocodile Dundee two and Rambo three came out on the same weekend, and like I still to this day haven't seen either of these films. You're kidding me? No, I haven't seen them. Really? I just I don't just I didn't. I'm a Rambo guy. I wouldn't um, say re- revisit them, but no. just, I thought maybe my by just by chance. But remember by no, by remember by this time I'm in high school. I don't you know just like neither track twenty nine. Right, <laughs> exactly. That's what I was. I was, but I was, but I also like didn't read a single good review about any of these either of these films, and I was like, eh, all right, never mind, I'll skip them. You know, but some, thing- somebody on E Film Critic, and I forgot who, but mm-hmm. they put Rambo three in their top ten. 
1988, and I was really surprised. They must not have seen a lot of movies. Yeah, I don't know. I was like, uh, it was crazy. It's like I'm, I'm, you know, we skipped a lot of movies in May, and I'm I'm looking through the list, and this only confirms the fact that I rented a lot of movies, or at least caught them when I showed them on cable. Because I think I've seen like all of these these low rent movies that we're not even talking about. Um, Well, I mean, I've seen Friday the 13th Part Seven, but I'm not defending that one. No, 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 it's no, please. Uh, Rambo three, I mean. Rambo basically solves the Afghani conflict in that movie with <laughs> yeah. Russia, and uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it also has the There's... great uh, self-surgery scene oh, in the movie yeah. where he gets a bullet and he takes fire, the, takes the, uh, the the casing out of the bullet, and he yeah. puts the gunpowder in there, and then the, the flame shoots through his stomach. It's a good special effect. <laughs> yeah, no, it too. is. And it's, yeah. it's fun. I remember seeing that in the theater and going, "Whoa!" You know, and just like of the of the of great. all the Rambo films, it's. The least. I mean, Rambo. The the oh, newer yeah. one is so ridiculous. I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. And Rambo: First Blood Part Two, I think, is pretty well made. Cosmano's directed both of those mm-hmm. movies. Um, I prefer Blood First Blood Part Two to Rambo Three. Right. But yeah, no, Rambo Three is. And it's kind of really kind of. If you've seen Hot Chest Part Two, it's kind of hard to watch Rambo Three. <laughs> now it yeah. really is. He never draws first blood. He only fights back. The first time was for himself. The second time was for his country. This time... Rambo! Something went wrong. It's for his friend. Trumpton was a good man, and I'm really very sorry. You're just leaving him? What do you expect us to do? Send in a Delta team? Create an international incident? What about me? By the way you look, I can see you have no experience in war. Do you? Fired a few shots. That if you're captured, we'll deny any participation or even knowledge of your existence. Sounds familiar. Who is this John Rambo? For sure. See, this is why I haven't seen it. This or is, like, this U- is what I've been the, hearing uh, from everybody. It's yeah. like it's not it's not very good. Well, okay, well, then I'm not gonna watch it then. Not, no. <laughs> it's also yeah, I don't need it's also that's what weird that's what weird Al Yankovic parodied yeah. in yeah. Uh, UHF. UHF. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely yeah. Rambo 3. Yeah. So, um, a really nice weekend afterwards, though, I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, you got Big, Tom Hanks. Finally, we got the <laughs> body switching thing really right. It's not really switch, but it's it's the same general... When you look at the trailer, it seems pretty much like the same kind of concept, where you know, a boy wakes up and, as an adult and an adult... And an adult body and has to sort of live life as an adult um, and they finally got it right <laughs> they finally got the formula you know Oscar right. nominated performance yeah mm-hmm. which was a big surprise for everybody yeah I mean nobody expected this thing to be a big hit because there had been three or four movies with the same general concept that were not very good so but, third this year right you exactly you briefly mentioned 18 again we talked about vice versa and then the year yeah. before was like father like son right oh yeah yeah right. so they were uh, getting mostly better. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. Yeah. Not but I mean they were they were panicky when the, before this movie came out because of all those films that mm-hmm. had, that had come out in its mm-hmm. wake, but you know they had uh really great screenwriters for it. Um and you know James L Brooks was the producer on it, so and Penny Marshall, uh I think this was her no, her second film. Jumpin' Jack Flash. No, right, right. Yeah. Uh and it just was like really Beautiful, warm, uh, really sensitive uh, comedy, and I think 
there's things about it that I know are kind of hard to swallow, uh, particularly a love scene. Yeah. The, the Blu-ray has an extended cut of the film that runs over two hours, like two hours and ten wow. minutes. Okay. And I actually think that's the better version. I've never it, seen that version. I have a, it. I've never seen that version. It's, it really does a better job of fleshing that whole relationship out between Tom Hanks and, uh, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth Perkins. Perkins. McGovern. <laughs> joking. Nope, you're not going to get me. Um, and uh, it does a lot of, it fleshes out a lot more stuff and makes it a better film. Normally, I'm not a fan of extended cuts of movies. Normally, the theatrical, usually the theatrical version is the better version, in my opinion, on mm-hmm. a lot, on most films. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I actually do think the extended cut helps a lot of stuff. And But I, I mean, I think Big is a really wonderful film anyway. So It is. Just cut the love scene. It's really kind of creepy. It is creepy <laughs> when it's you think about out. it. Yeah, I, know. I mean, when I, I was know. a kid, I really didn't think about right. That Neither did I. Yeah, aspect. But now I'm like, oh, and there's also a great scene with Robert Loja between Robert Loja and yeah. Tom Hanks, where it uh, um, that in the extended cut, where they're just working late one night, and Robert Loja talks about why he got into the toy industry, and it's such a beautiful scene. It's like one of Robert Loja's best scenes ever. So yeah, and every now and then during meetings, I kind of just want to go. I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, the, this is like the John one Hurt film and like all the films that I've ever seen that I feel the worst about not liking more. Mm. And just for some reason, it's never quite connect. Like I think it's sweet, and I, it, it, it's to me, it's like the definition of fine. Every mm. time I see it, like I, yeah, I, mean, I adore I mean, Tom Hanks. I, I think the movie, you know, has its heart in the absolute right place. It doesn't overplay its hand too much, but I, it, you know, it's it's light on laughs. I think yeah. you know it's not going. You know, I don't know. It's not going for giant laughs and things, but uh, I, I just, I every time I watch it, I'm just like, that's fine. <laughs> you I know, sort of, I, and I'm, I, now I'm curious. I want to watch the extended cut because maybe that. Maybe that's now more fine. Yeah, <laughs> I crack up at him eating caviar. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's the there's, that's there's the a, classic scene. Yeah, there's a lot of good Tom Hanks comedy in this. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess for the most part, I was I've never been like over the moon about it. I think it's very good, very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, I feel like the, the the sentimentality of Penny Marshall isn't as you know overbearing as maybe some other films that she's done. But, like, there, there is one montage late in the film where he's, like, walking through his old neighborhood and the, mu- the, the music is swelling. the kids playing and yeah, stuff. Yeah. 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 And it's fine. Well, those, but, those I mean, are the moments I like the most in the movie, actually. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, that's about it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I like, I like it when, yeah, I like him and hanging out with his best friend and everything. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, also has a movie that has an F-bomb in a PG that's movie. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good call. No, it's, it's, it's very good. It's yeah. charming. And then another surprise movie uh, that I think is really funny is Funny Farm. Absolutely. Please. Uh, Absolutely hilarious. Hey, there's our movers. Chevy Chase is leaving the city to live in the country. See you up there. Who the hell is that? How should I know? Surrounded by Earth's little living treasures. Mosquito. With room to roam for his loyal dog. Is it alive? A place where he can bond with nature. Oh! Ah! And hook up ah! with a few close friends. Where people take pride in their jobs. That maniac is our mailman. Where home is safe. Oh, and secure. Where all 
the food tastes like mom's. And all the neighbors treat you like family. I have good news. We've decided to stay. Chevy Chase. It didn't look funny, funny from the trailer. It, it has a crappy poster. Um, <laughs> it really does. Yeah. Yes, it does. A um, couple crappy posters, actually. Different posters for, for that film. but uh, And so it, it looks like a dumb Chevy Chase comedy. But it's really funny. And it's not because of Chevy Chase. I mean, Chevy Chase is basically playing it straight throughout the film, which is not normally his thing. There's like maybe two moments where Chevy Chase is doing his Chevy Chase thing, mm-hmm. where he's improvising something that is very Chevy Chase-like. And it kind of doesn't work. But um, directed by George Roy Hill, who's a very accomplished director, uh, really funny script and really funny supporting characters populating yes, this that town. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it's just... I, I, there's so many characters in this movie that I love, particularly the mailman um, <laughs> is probably my favorite character, especially when he comes in at the end. Yes. Uh, the uh. the final the final stretch of this film is brilliant. Yeah. Uh, just yeah. trying to convince these weird, uh, so almost Stephen King like locals yep. to start behaving like they're in a Norman Rockwell painting. And they all for cash for, for cash. money. Yeah, and the way they go about doing this is so funny. When the mailman shows up, God, I laugh yeah. straight through that scene uh, when he comes into the house. Yeah, when they're all visiting the restaurant and everybody all turns in unison and says oh. "Merry Christmas." <laughs> and yeah, it's it's yeah. a delightful movie. It's very funny throughout. Yeah, um, I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, like, there's just moments in here that I. I you know, either quotes or just vividly remember, even though I haven't watched it like every year or something. It's just that there's a lot of comedic standouts throughout. I mean, when when he's on the phone and like talking to the operator, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, they're just great bits throughout this whole movie. It's and it's like the, his dog. Oh God! Well, the dog. If you yes. watch the trailer that that Colin referenced, it, it seems like a Chevy Chase trailer. It's like yeah, it's yeah, all yeah. slapsticky stuff, and he's getting physical hurt comedy, and running yeah. into stuff. Physical comedy, <laughs> right? But it, it it's because the movie is so subtle. I think is one of the reasons why it didn't do very well because exactly it wasn't like the trailer people yeah. were, were expecting. There, there, it's a weird, dark movie about city folk going to a country life, and like you know, everyone thinks like, oh, the country life is so idyllic. But now they get there, and yeah. everyone's horrible, and yeah. like not they don't <laughs> mesh and everything. And uh, you know, like stuff, even little things like you know, the, the movers getting caught on the bridge, and uh, you know, and his wife stealing all the food from the picnic basket behind his back, uh, and of course the home fries. Oh god! The the, the yes. lamb fries yeah. scene yeah. Well, got trouble, is yeah. one of my favorite. This <laughs> might be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, just, that's I great. Mean, yeah, a great punchline, uh, <laughs> and always makes me hungry. I, it just it's it it's weird, it but it always, it always looks good. Yeah, always looks good it to really me. Does but no, it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's an absolute gem. It is. Any of you guys ever see The Decline of Western Civilization? Yeah, I, I, like, I, I, I like Bits part of it. two even more. Than oh part my one. god. I thought I'd never seen it before, before yeah, like a month ago when I watched it. Spherous, yeah. Yeah, documentary about the metal, the heavy metal scene in the 80s, and wow. Yeah. <laughs> I love wow this. Right. Wow, is this a fun movie? And like, yeah, sort of painfully so, fun, like painful mm. to look at, and yet it's like, 
this actually happened. This is a real thing. Yes. That we, this is what the 80s metal scene was like. Everybody was uh, thinking they were going to be the next uh, Robert Plant or Jimmy Page. Uh, Chris Holmes, uh, the, the guitar player of Wasp, sitting in his, <laughs> sitting in his uh, yeah. swimming pool. Uh, getting like hammered in front of his mom and his mom is yeah. just sitting there going why didn't he pull out why didn't he why didn't that guy pull out what I uh, you know now I'm stuck with this guy for a son oh my god uh, oh my and Paul Stanley being surrounded by groupies in their underwear on, when he's laying in his bed it is unbelievable this movie yeah people gotta go yeah. check this one out I bet it's absolutely more fun now oh yeah it was like yeah, but yeah, back yeah. then I remember not being received very well and like because we were, we were right in the middle of that yeah. stuff so it's like mm-hmm. it was like what are we why are we documenting this because it's right yeah. there in front of us yeah. but now as a time capsule oh my god it's, it's probably I would be interested in it's, looking at it yeah. now The Decline of Western Civilization okay. Part 2 the metal years yeah. people Fair gotta seek that one out mm-hmm. yeah you can watch heavy metal parking lot with that or yeah I think anvil, so maybe yeah oh, I love anvil anvil's yeah. great yeah yeah this is definitely like that's a great triple feature right there mm. yeah. you know right mm-hmm. there I watched big business a couple years ago I don't even remember specifically it's, it's, why it's not very good it's okay I watched it yeah a few it's weeks okay. ago mm. I like it okay Fred Ward I know Fred yeah, Ward's Fred funny, Ward's in funny in the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of like little uh, Robert Zemeckis like trick shots in yeah. it with, with the, the twins mirrors. coming mm-hmm. in and out of the yeah. elevators. Um, it's got a couple. I wrote down here. It's got a couple Gilmore Girls echoes, like a couple things that I think Amy Sherman Palladino took from this movie and put into Stars Hollow. Is mm. Edward Herman in this? He, I think yeah, I think he is actually. Huh. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I remember him being in it. So. I think he is. But yeah, it, it was a you know, it, twins was another big theme for this year. We got yeah. two two more twin <laughs> yeah. movies coming up, uh-huh. and this was one of them. So right, uh, yeah. I saw that on the double feature with the movie that came out the year or the week after that, uh, Big Business and the Great Outdoors. Mm. I saw a double feature at Oak Grove uh, Cinema, and I like Big Business more. Hmm. Although there are moments in Great Outdoors that I find funny because if you've ever had an uncle like that a bit. Mm-hmm. There are things in it that are a little close and personal to me when I watched Dan Ac- another Dan Aykroyd movie, obviously. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. It, it's, <laughs> it's not, I mean, it, I mean, this one is, you know, if you didn't get that stuff out of Funny Farm, the physical stuff, you get it all in Great Outdoors. And it's mm-hmm. John Hughes. John Hughes wrote this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. Yeah. yeah not, uh, but but I, I'm willing to Kind, I don't know why I am to some degree. Uh, I like Poltergeist three a little bit. Really? Mm. Yeah. Okay. I like it a okay. little bit. I like the. I like Gary Sherman as a director. I think he does some inventive things with the mirrors. Kellen! Take care of her for a minute, please. Carolyn! Carolyn! It's okay. Carolyn! Bruce! Carolyn! Carolyn! not scary um and it doesn't have that seemed to be a prerequisite for a poltergeist movie maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> but i think it's one of those movies like i watched it a lot as a kid and somehow, you watched the movie a lot as a kid i i, I kind of did yeah wow. i mean like all of them i think i did okay yeah and maybe it just like oh it takes place in the john hancock center well it, it doesn't really yeah. but uh, right. still i think like there was something about it and also just 
the, the way this movie ends is actually, you know, obviously very sad given the fact that its main star died before they can even get that final shot. In. Because of a scene attributed in this movie, they say that there's a scene in the movie where she gets dragged into a puddle. Yeah. In the movie, uh, the, 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 and they attributed her getting pneumonia as a result of filming she, that scene. She was misdiagnosed with something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's a sad story for Heather O'Rourke. But it is. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. I think there's just it's a weird movie. There's a lot of weird things that I don't understand, and not 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 a whole lot of it makes sense. Yeah, but I kind of still like it. It was fun. I, I actually met Gary Sherman last year at uh, Cinepocalypse at uh, oh, really? Music he Box. There? He was there, huh. and uh, and I just, I have to keep I remembering. Should, you know, yeah. it's like dead and buried, dead and buried. Not poltergeist. Not poltergeist. Not poltergeist. He also did Lisa, which is great. We'll I know you're a fan, fan of that movie, too. We'll talk too. about that in two years. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bull Durham. Well, who isn't? Yeah, of course. Well, it's amazing. Bull, <laughs> Bull Durham. Bull Durham's great. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was like my discovery of Tim Robbins, I think. It may, have been, I saw, mine, it may have been mine, too. I mean, I saw s- Cadillac Man first, maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah, well, you did not see Cadillac Man before Bull Durham. Cali Man was nineteen ninety. Well, I'm younger too. I, I mean, I, I know. R rated. Uh, yeah, you probably didn't catch up. Were you a sports until. guy? Were you? I mean, a baseball fan? Yeah, I liked as it. A fine. Kid? I've okay. always been like, yeah, okay, okay. I'm okay with sports, but not like gung ho like <laughs> okay. some people. So you wouldn't have that like <laughs> that connection to it being a baseball movie when it, no. it's not entirely. I mean, it's, it's a movie about baseball that's right. not really about baseball. Right. Well, I mean, it's not feel, like Field of Dreams. Obviously, I cried like a baby. Well, yeah, but, sure. You know, like, that's a whole. That's a yeah. Yeah, whole yeah. other issue. Yeah. But I'm not a big sports guy, not a big mm-hmm. baseball guy. But I love this movie, and that's one of the things yeah, I love about great. it is because is that it's written by a guy who clearly knows that world. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like very specific about things yeah. that that. And I always appreciate about any movie that is like that. Didn't um, he just direct something recently? Just getting started. Oh no! Uh, yes, sir. Uh, but this is like this is uh, this is Ron Shelton's directorial debut, um, and Kevin Costner, Susan Sarandon, uh, really a really sexy comedy. I mean, this is like a real. This is like uh, they they have some really amazing chemistry in this film, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and it's also just really funny. Like a lot of the supporting characters, really colorful, really funny. Um, and it just i it, it's i don't know if it would hold up today for some audiences um in what respect well just the last half of it i mean like basically sarandon's character oh oh you know I what i mean you know well from the beginning this? she is a groupie right yeah and yeah. what part and, i mean just but, the and, fact but that she and she doesn't really have but she's much, in control she's in control of she's in control of things but i'm what i'm saying is like she, there's not much more to her than being this groupie slash uh, mode of inspiration mm-hmm. for these players. Right. She's not. It, there's not much to her being her own person in any other respect. We, it, you know, once in a while she's a teacher. She says. Right. But yet she has this gigantic house. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, where's what's that about? Um, so, like, I think I think this movie would get a lot of criticism mm-hmm. today by by modern audiences who are looking for something uh, a little more forward thinking from their female characters because I don't think this yeah, plays see, well. I see where you're going with that, this in that way because there is but, there is kind of a shallowness to her, right? Because I mean, she's obviously she's very in control of her body and what she wants out right, of that right. whole out of the relationships and whatnot but she may be someone who has not quite achieved a certain level 
in life, and right. if she's just a substitute teacher, whatever she says she is in the movie, yeah. that she hasn't risen to a level that gives her anything more than the love she has of baseball and yeah, the you know what she gets out of that. Right. So I just I I think this is a this that's a character that was definitely of its time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it would translate well for a lot of audiences today. I can get past it because I this is a film that I saw as a young youngster mm-hmm. and I appreciate so many other things about it but I think there's some things about it that I keep it from being you know treated as a classic you mm. know what I mean so uh, but I I, I, I I still love watching it um, I'm gonna I think we should skip down to the bottom of June and then back up a little bit and before we take a break I'm I just, agree because okay. July yeah. is a good Middle point. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so what we did last time. I was gonna, unless uh, I was gonna jump ahead to coming to America. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is the big Eddie Murphy comedy of the summer, and a big improvement over his last two films from '87, oh, Beverly Hills Cop Two yeah. and Eddie Murphy Raw. Although this isn't a great Eddie Murphy film, it's I still too there's long. Still, it's yeah. it's too long, and but there's things about it that still make me laugh today. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and there's a sensitivity to it that I appreciate. That is kind of Eddie Murphy showing his more softer, more sensitive side, which mm-hmm. was kind of new at the time. Um, and uh, I even think Arsenio Hall is funny in it. Yes, uh, I know it's, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, there, there's it's, it's kind of a you know it's kind of a mixed bag of flaws and strengths, but yeah. it's okay. I was just I just realized that uh, I, I do love trading places. So there's a Dan Aykroyd performance that I yeah. don't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, John Landis did Coming to America, and yeah. uh, there's a lot of a lot of great scenes. Yeah, and scenes, it was yeah. the, it was the really the first time that we saw Eddie Murphy, you know, playing multiple characters. That's right. You know, yeah. so that was the, the you know, so that was new at the time, and yeah. it was a lot of. I mean, there's there's nothing unfunny about the barbershop scenes. Every oh, barbershop right. scene yeah. is fantastic, uh, and it does. I think I think there is a sweetness to the movie that I don't think we'd probably seen until maybe Nutty, Nutty Professor, Professor, I yeah. guess, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's to me at the time I thought it was a great comedy. Uh, it's not quite held up, you know, the, the, the seams of it, but I still quote the hell out of it. Sure. I mean, the, I mean him, <laughs> him as the singer at the the church Sexual function. Chocolate? Sexual chocolate. Yeah. Sexual chocolate. I thought it was the trash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it, I, I think I, I think Coming to America is a very very funny movie. Yeah, yeah it's quite good. Uh, but then we get the this was this, was this the highest grossing film of the year? Uh, no, that we're going to talk actually. about. No, nope. pretty sure it was not. Well, it should have been. It, uh, yeah, Robert yeah. Zemecki's masterpiece, Who Framed Roger Never. Rabbit. It was second, and Coming to America was third. Okay, um, this was a groundbreaking film. Um, uh, yeah, that when you watch it today, it still like has. All, 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 everything it accomplishes visually is still amazing to watch, uh, especially more amazing to watch today because this is pre CGI. Mm-hmm. The techniques involved. The techniques involved were just a lot of animatronics on the sets to simulate the animated characters that Bob Hoskins and other cast members are interacting with, as if they're they have to pretend that they're there. And it's um, this was one of the 
uh, unfortunate um, oversights on the part of the Academy was not awarding Bob Hoskins with a Best Actor nomination because if, if he doesn't believe anything that's that's in front of him, that's not in front of him, we don't believe it either. Right. And yep. it's absolutely seamless and one of the great... Impeccable performance with yeah. him acting to nothing, with nothing next to mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Or, or reacting to a mechanical yeah, arm yeah, that's like yeah. smashing plates mm-hmm. or something like that, and yeah, like stand-ins and stuff. But yeah, it's it's funny because like I just I just for some reason thought this came out towards the end of the year. Like my memory of it that's that's the thing with memory mm-hmm. is that I just I just imagine like maybe after Thanksgiving you know, I saw this movie you know in like the in winter time when it's colder out or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, this came out in the summer. I saw it opening night and. I remember being really creeped out uh, by Christopher Lloyd towards the end of this film. I think yeah. it's really creepy. Roger Rabbit and a down and out private detective stay out! named Eddie Valiant. Ooga booga! Every moment they were together was a new adventure in trouble. Hide me, Eddie! Please! It's a motion picture about friendship. Compassion. Hold well, on, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I yanked your ears. All the time you yanked my ears? Murder. Marvin Acme. A rabbit cacked him last night. Remember, you never saw me. Sex. I'd do anything for my husband, Mr. Valiant. Anything. And violence. Tunes gets him every time. You know, with this film that I've, I kind of realized, even at a young age... just the imagination and also um, Zemeckis' kind of go-for-broke nature when it came to integrating technology into his films, right? Like, Mm -hmm. very few filmmakers, obviously Spielberg's one of them too, but just can make you, like, care about characters in a story, have an emotional arc to everything that's going on, but also just, like, seamlessly blend you know, groundbreaking special effects into a film, and even a you know even a year later, I was like, how did he make all those Martys into one scene, right, or whatever? Yeah, like there was just always something about a Zemeckis movie you could be excited about, um, just in terms of the craft and mm-hmm. the technical side of things. But too. it was even more so for this one because yeah, yeah. you have to think that really you were coming off of basically Back to the Future and Romance of the Stone. Now, obviously, everything we did before that is great too, but. The, it wasn't really until this particular movie that you saw what we now attribute with Zemeckis and that the, yeah. the, the groundbreaking stuff. And not just groundbreaking in terms of special effects, but the first time ever that the two leading giants of animation came together mm-hmm. for yeah. a movie. And, just, and they, to, it, just to have cameos of Mickey Mouse and Bugs Bunny in the same scene together, of Donald and Daffy Duck doing a duet, dueling pianos on scene... Like this movie does everything right. It, it it's inventive. The Hoskins performance is amazing. It, it it's only hundred minutes long. I mean, the movie you know it moves. I, yeah. It plays like it, it gets the time period right. It yeah. plays with history in a way that you, you don't get to, you don't see see as much anyway. Rewriting history mm-hmm. in a way which is a lot of fun. The, you mentioned the inventiveness about. The you know tune I mean you to, to finish the movie in Toontown and all the all the, all these things, it's a great mystery. 
It's a great movie about Hollywood at the time. It, it has so much going for it, so, packs so much in to 103 minutes, I think is what, what it ultimately runs. Uh, it's just, there's, and I don't know if there's, there have been other movies that have now obviously blended humans and animated films. None of them have done it this well. You know, as much as I love Looney Tunes back in action, which is its own masterpiece creation as far as I'm concerned, th- this is the, the end all be all. Of it, I don't think I don't know if there will ever be another movie as good as Who Framed Roger Rabbit in what it, what it accomplished. Yeah. Cool World came close. You shut up about Cool World. <laughs> Did cool World. Cool, cool. Yeah. When we do this, I'm gonna yeah. Cool World in 1991. When we do the 1991 show, F Cool World, man. No, I yeah. agree. I every, agree. Every year, the Music Box Theater in Chicago has their Noir Festival, and I would say do Roger Rabbit. Yes, Roger Rabbit's a great Noir film. Yeah, it is. You know? It is for um, sure. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, but th- th- this is a, this is a, I, correct me if I'm wrong. It's a hard movie to get to show. Yeah, well, Dis- D- Disney doesn't allow for the most part uh, s- retro screenings of the movie. You know, we do these screening uh, things yeah. around the, the city. You can't get rent out Disney yeah. movies. You know, Nick DiGiulio can't get them. We can't get them. It was a miracle last year where the Music Box got to do Sleeping Beauty in 70 millimeter. Oh, right. They don't even yeah. they don't even let that out of the vault. Let alone show it anywhere. Yeah. So that was like that was more of a coup than people I think even realized yeah. at mm. the time. That's so, incredible. Yeah, I, I would. Do- I would. I would love to see this on the big screen again. Really. Yeah. yeah. We'll be right back after these messages. Join us again next time. Same kablam time. Same kablam network.